Murder Man. Hey, yo, this is Frankie, and if you want Percocets of pussy, come to Murder Man Mayhem. Spreading faster than a case of the clap in a trailer court. Able to shatter eardrums within a 666-mile radius. A podcast more brutal than all the rest. It's Murder Metal What the hell's going on, gentlemen? What's up, motherfuckers? How y'all doing? Hell yeah, man. It's Tuesday, and that means it's a good thing. We're in here doing some Murder Metal Mayhem at Horns High Studios for the Horns High Podcast Network. Got episode 136. I was thinking Route 136. It's not very far from here. (laughs) No, it's just right down the road. So that's kind of cool. So uh, should be a good one. Uh, Definitely looking forward to this one. Had a little... Frankie Richard at the beginning there, and uh, you're not know, you guys probably don't know Frankie yet, but you will tonight. So this is going to be a really good one. Of course, got Joey and Chris here, yes, uh, anxious uh, to hear about the big show in Galesburg. Looks like you guys had a really tight, good time. Uh, so we'll talk about that in the metal segment. You guys can let us know who was playing and. All the craziness. It looked like a good crowd, too, and a yeah. cool venue. Like, that right. was kind of neat. Was the legit. pictures I saw looked really good. So, uh, all right. Well, T-shirts, Chris, you got a good one over there. You were just talking about this. Fuck yeah. Uh, our listener, Elizabeth, freaking uh, heard us talking when we did the Unabomber episode. Heard me talking about that shirt that I had that said Unabonger with the same profile picture. And right. I couldn't find it. Well, she found it and got one for me. So thank you, Elizabeth. How very cool much. is that? So I got a Unabonger shirt on, dude, and it's dope as shit. That's awesome. And Elizabeth drove all the way up here, came to Fuck the yeah, show. Came to and... the studio, went to the show in Gillsburg. Yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. You called dope. me up on Friday. You're like, hey, can we bring her by and let her check out the studio? Like, sure. Fuck yeah. So it worked out really good. So thanks, Elizabeth, uh, for that. That's pretty awesome. Joey, what about you over there, man? Uh, not much. Just hanging out. Fucking yeah. Wearing the is that a Dodgers hat you got? On? Yeah, it is a Dodgers hat. <laughs> okay. I lived down Huntington Beach for a year. Oh, that's right. That's uh, right. But uh, chlamydia jizz is the shirt I'm rocking. Dude, they were nice. so dope. Yeah, they played at the show we just went to. So yeah, that's awesome. Hell yeah, fuck yeah. Also, I have a with my weed smoking apparatus. I still have my Megadeth lighter, which I'm going to keep talking about till it's dead because it's got to die soon. It's, dude, yeah. it's been around for so fucking long. <laughs> dude, that pick has been flicked. <laughs> <laughs> and I just got this shirt today. I went. Uh, I bought a ticket to watch the online concert from Angelus Apatrida. Uh, about a month and a half ago and bought the bundle with the t-shirt and i finally got it today took a week to get from spain to miami and three weeks from miami (laughs) to here (laughs) i'm not even kidding yeah it it was in miami april 11th right so yeah it's ridiculous so anyway uh sporting that tonight love those guys and they sent uh, some pictures oh yeah got an autograph one for the studio Uh, everybody signed it for us so so i got that up on the wall so that's i didn't even see those yeah i just i just i had the one in the center before right but the one to the bottom left and the one above it are uh yeah those are are new yeah so uh last week we had a really good one did another cult leader uh, Jeffrey Lundgren in the Kirtland Temple. That was a crazy one. Uh, really good story. 
Uh, Joey, of course, you were the one, you know, that inspired that, you know, yeah. whole episode. Yeah, I was, was excited really cool. to do that, and I think uh, we probably did it better. I got to say, I mean, not to toot our own horn, yeah. but I'm going to toot our own horn. We tore that shit <laughs> honk, up. Honk, motherfucker. I've never heard. I did a lot of research for that. I never found everything we covered in one spot. So we took all those different sources, the book, the docs, yep. internet research, and really nailed that one. So if you missed it, a uh, really good story. Joey, you were brought up in the RLDS church, right. and so that's a unique perspective. And so it was a really good episode. Yeah. Uh, CK called in to talk about Zach Wild. That was Wild cool. Child. And uh, we did a good killer cage match and uh, lots, you know, the usual craziness. So if you missed... Episode 135, give it a listen. It's the last one for a bit on the cult leaders that we did. Jim Jones, L. Ron Hubbard, and uh, Jeffrey Lundgren. So Good little chunk there. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we'll do more. We did Koresh the Lundgren a year or so ago. on his hands itself. Yeah, so. Lundgren, I think, was the most brutal only because he actually did the killing, which is fucked up. I... I uh got this cult book i've been reading you know because i had that oh yeah and shit yeah and that yeah there's a couple of them in there talking about one of how the oneida fucking silverware company started as a cult yeah war. that's pretty fucked up uh, another one is of course uh the family in australia which was like that group of people who kept all them kids and like oh put yeah all their hair like airy and white and everything right that was a fucked up one yeah, but yeah there, there's a couple cases i was reading about there and i was like oh like heaven's gate of course oh heaven's gate would be so good. yeah, yeah there's a mayhem to come back to cult shits it's, oh, it's yeah. inevitable it's bro oh yeah. without a doubt without a doubt <laughs> so go check that out but tonight we've got a really good one i have been really itching to do this literally itching <laughs> uh because tex told me about this case he sent me a text and he's like hey man have you seen murder in the bayou and i was like no and he's like he told me it was really good and at the time it was free i watched the series it's like five or six episodes and it was fantastic but you know we joke around a lot about the sugar babe episode we did the murder of vera joe yeah which is like our third or fourth most listened to episode if you like that you're going to love this one because this is like sugar babe on fucking <laughs> on more acid crack. <laughs> because these people, it's like a whole town full of yeah, sugar babes, yep. pretty crazy stuff. So I am really excited about this. It's a horrible story. Like a lot we cover, but eight women uh, in Jennings, Louisiana killed from 2005 to 2009. Uh, they were mostly, as far as I know, prostitutes, drug addicts uh you know doing some pretty rough CIs. stuff yeah <laughs> yeah and so they uh they were definitely you know dealing with some rough people and ended up dead and uh so it's going to be an interesting one uh but it like always it's a sad story but plenty of murder plenty of mayhem corruption whether it be political or the cops all kinds of dirty shit going on all so it's time. all rolled up into one train wreck of fucking humanity and we're going to have our buddy Tex on since Hell he yeah. suggested it. You know, why not? And so Tex will be on to talk about the uh, Jeff Davis 8, which is, uh, like I said, it's a it's a sad story. And some people may have seen that series or read the book. You may know what this is about. If not, hold on tight because it's going to be a good pretty one. pretty crazy. 
Now we got CK warming up, ready to throw down. He's always fired up, but tonight, Joe, he's got the fucking blacky lawless <laughs> circular saw oh, fucking, fucking arm things. And shit. We are Satan's. People. We are yeah. Satan's people. He yeah. is going to be talking some wasp, <laughs> and he's running up and down Wild Man Street with these fucking circular saw blades yes. and fucking trying to take people down. So I am just surprised that anybody drives or walks on Wild Man Street. Let me cut your two by four with my arm. (laughs) (laughs) Over there by the train track, stay the fuck away from Wildman Street in Danbury. But it's going to be good. So anxious to hear what CK's got to say about that. Uh, Got another killer cage match tonight, gentlemen. A standard killer cage match, which is always fun. Got some random listeners we want to thank. Yes, we got Sam Cram Cram it. (laughs) And then we got John Henderson, and we got the champion, reigning champion, Rebecca Boomstack. Yeah, I don't so think anybody's that. beat Rebecca <laughs> to the punch on, on any of this like, shit. Thank go. you, Rebecca. Yeah, You're thanks, an Rebecca. awesome shit, fucking dude. person for being so supportive of what we're doing. Uh, we have a good one going down tonight in the cage, though, Joey. Yeah. Got a couple of chicks it's this kind time. Of a, it's kind of a preliminary for our fucking <laughs> month of fucking murdering yeah, mommies. Right, honestly, That's true. Yeah. Man, yeah, we it's should our month do of killer murdering cage mommies match. on Murder Metal Man. We should do, we should do uh, just killer cage matches with females all month. <laughs> right? That'd be cool. Yeah. But for tonight, we're going to start that off. So we're going to have right. uh, that cunt Casey Anthony cunt going up Casey, against the right? wildest bitch alive. Well, no longer <laughs> no alive, but <laughs> Eileen Warnos, the Hell official yeah. first woman serial killer in yeah. the United States. Brutal. If you had to pick one person to fuck and then instantly kill, it'd be fucking Casey Anthony. <laughs> <laughs> so that could be a mismatch, but as always... They've got their uh, their objects they're going to fight with, and yeah. a variable, which is good the variable, ties in. Very interesting tonight. It is very interesting. <laughs> uh, big thanks to Spellbound Effects and Art. Did you guys see the video Tony posted today? Uh, it's a forearm, but it's for an escape room. Yes, I did with the magnetic the tattoos and oh, shit. Yeah. Dude, it's fucking dope. It up, it's badass. So Tony is just crushing it over there. SpellboundEffectsAndArt.com. Can't talk about him enough. He sent us some really good stuff, and he's just a great dude. And they've got such an amazing catalog of all sorts of gore. It doesn't have to be just Halloween, Chris. No. It's a fucking year-round thing. Tony's got did Halloween cowboy hats. Yeah, it's fucking amateur hour. Um, vests, fucking all sorts of stuff that looks like it was made with human skin. Right, I saw just brutal. I saw on some Facebook group today is somebody asking for a, like horror bus. And I straight up had to tag, like, oh, small yeah. amount effects and art, yeah. dude. Fucking check him out. He's right? badass. Yeah, very badass. Another sponsor, of course, Rotten, Rotten Cotton. Cotton. Love Rotten. those guys. Uh, they're sponsoring us, as well as Voice of Dread. And they've got the sickest T-shirts, buttons, stickers, even some comics with their Ebon Press uh, oh, yeah. division. Graphic novels. They do all of it themselves. Very, very impressive stuff. And the T-shirts are really good quality, very, very prompt delivery. And Chris, they get a little discount. A little discount. You get 15% off any order of $20 or more if you put in that code word mayhem right there when you get on there. Mayhem, M-A-H-M-A-Y-H-E-M. Yeah, say that 10 times fast. So. Yeah, put in that Anyway, mayhem, mayhem is, the, is the code, and you get 15% off. It's been a long day. I've been doing audio books, and my head hurts. Been having uh, so, his headphones and microphone on for how long? Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, go to rottencotton.com and take advantage of that and uh, helps, you know, that, uh, you know, you got a sponsor, want to support them and uh, good stuff. So and you get 15% off at that. Thanks to everybody out there listening to the show. Uh, we keep seeing the numbers rolling in this week, about 3,200, which is great. Um, you know, about 1,000 or 1,100 to the last episode. So that's over 2,000 listens to other episodes, which is which is cool. Yeah. Um, and so thank you, everybody out there listening. Thank you. You're the shit. Joey, you got some uh, Page a Day serial killer information for us over there? Uh, I got I got two stories from Page a Day. Okay. Let's see what they're talking about. Man, I love this Page a Day stuff. Hell yeah. Uh, so the two tales that I got, uh, one of them... This one isn't really a murder one, but it's fucking pretty goddamn funny. And it's mayhem like a motherfucker. <laughs> right? There you so, go. That's all we need. Dude, I, I fucking, I was having a fucking, I was having a pretty shitty day and I read this and just fucking started laughing my ass off. But uh, on April 15th, 2012, so these two Welshmen, Rye Jones and Carrie Mules, they wake up in their house in fucking Queensland, Australia, or in their apartment, I guess, in Queensland, Australia. And uh, they wake up to find a fucking seven-year-old fairy penguin named Dirk what? from a nearby SeaWorld on Queensland's Gold Coast. Um, so these two dudes, they had fucking got wasted as fuck, drunk as fuck, broke into the SeaWorld the night before. They were swimming with the dolphins. Get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> they were, they, they were oh my God. swimming with the dolphins. They set a fire extinguisher off in the shark enclosure, and then they took off stealing Dirk the penguin. <laughs> they, wow. They briefly tried to care for Dirk at their home by feeding him and putting him in the shower, and then decided to release him into a canal, but they were spotted by locals who called the police. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Let's steal this what the fuck? Yeah, they were fucking. They were fined, and uh, Dirk was safely returned to SeaWorld, where he was reunited with his partner Peaches. <laughs> they broke into SeaWorld. How do you break into SeaWorld? That's I don't like know, a right? Bro. Yeah, fuck. really. That's fucked up. So wow. anyway, so that was the first. No, that's one. Funny as fuck. <laughs> now, the second one. Uh, the second one. They're talking about this lady named. Uh, Sheila Keen Warren. Okay. Now, what this lady did was in, uh, man, I can't remember what the fuck year it was. It was like quite a while ago that she fucking did this, though. I want to say it was 1990, but I could be wrong about that. So <clears throat> this is in Florida, and she fucking walks up to this lady up to the door dressed as a clown. Oh, no, I know oh, about wow. this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She fucking had uh, orange wig. She was a cop a and red shit, bold right? nose, gloves, and white makeup. Like, wow. she was fully dressed like a clown. She walks up. She's got a flower bouquet and two balloons in one hand. The fucking lady, Maureen Warren, or Marlene Warren, she opens the door, and she fucking raises her hand up with a fucking pistol and fucking shoots her right in the face and kills her. Yeah, it's another clown wow. kill. That's it. Right. It's a clown kill. Damn. Yeah. So she, this lady, uh, Sheila Keen Warren, of course, she was only Sheila Keen at the time. Yeah. She was having an affair with with the husband, uh, Michael Warren. Oh, wow. He owned a used car lot in West Palm Beach, and she was 
Sheila Keen was the fucking repo lady. But there were like, oh damn, yeah. But there was like records to show that they were having an affair and everything else. So she ends up, you know, whatever, walks up, shoots this lady, she dies. They go on to get married in two thousand two. Yeah, because they never solved the case. Yeah. Oh wow. Her and that guy got married in two thousand two. Ended up <laughs> getting a restaurant in, uh, I think, Virginia, somewhere out there, um, and and pursuing a life. And then all of a sudden, DNA evidence pops up, and fucking they end up. Uh, linking her to it and she got arrested in 2017 oh wow she uh i i because from what because they were witnesses to it said they saw the clown walk up you know shoot went back to a white uh chrysler lebaron right got in and left and so they ended up eventually finding lebaron i guess and finding um follicles of both the wig and her hair which like you know and uh but there were also there's a bunch of witnesses that also say, well, no, because what we saw dressed as a clown and everything else was like a six foot two man. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, so there's a lot of speculation on one way or the other. But fact is, that's a pretty crazy case. She got uh, incarcerated in 2017 on a $50,000 bond. The case still hasn't been resolved and she's still sitting in jail over it to this day. Wow. Yep. So Damn. that's one of the, you know, that's another good one. It's man. a classic so clown many, killing case. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that one before. Man, yeah. this is just a wealth of yeah. fucking information. So, that's yeah. So that was great. Page a day. Those two. Thank page you a day much. is a shit. Damn. All right. Well, guys, we have a lot on our plate tonight. We're going to be taking a little trip south to Louisiana, see what's going down at the Boudreaux Inn with all these dead fucking hookers, Chris. Damn, let's get our murder all hooker stop. God damn, that's fucking nasty. Oh, yeah. Cannibal Corpse off the new one doing really well. I saw they were like number 52 in the top 200 billboard. I'm like, God damn, that's Crazy. pretty awesome. That's fucking, yeah, that is yeah. nice. That was the song Slowly Sawn. So a nice, you know, re, you know, heartfelt <laughs> type song for somebody's loved one. So uh, Violence Unimagined is the name of the album. Metal Blade, of course, put it out. It's just killer. First one with Eric Rutan. That's right. That's right. Now we have Tex on here with us. Tex, how Hello, are you doing on, down Tex? there in the great state of Texas? Doing real good, man. The weather's good. Hey, awesome. Couldn't ask for anything better. That's awesome, up. man. And, uh, you know, you suggested this topic, so I, we had to have you on, and we're going to have a lot of fun doing this. So I'm, I've been really looking forward to it. Really is going to be a good one. Awesome. Cool. Hell yeah. We'll get into your new uh, recording situation here, too, when we get into the episode. So uh, tonight, though, we're going to be talking about a very fucked up case from Jennings, Louisiana. Uh, the Jeff Davis 8, which is just, uh, if you're not familiar with it, you're definitely going to be just jaw-dropped at the end of this because it's so happened? fucked up. Um, but some people know it as the Jennings 8. Uh, Jeff Davis actually refers to the county, and in, in Louisiana, they call those parishes, right, Tex? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Yeah. 
And those, you know, that's what they call it. So it's actually the Jefferson Davis Parish, but they call it Jeff Davis. Just so you understand, that I've heard parish Jeff- and I never knew what that meant. And but. Jefferson Davis was the president of the Confederacy back right. in the day, too. Yeah, so. exactly. Right. Kind of an interesting name for the county or parish. Um, it's amazing to hear this story, though. Eight young women ended up dead over a four-year period. And we're not talking about that long ago either, Chris, 2005 to 2009. Well, honestly, that wasn't... if you. In reality, yeah, like my daughter was born in 2009. She's yeah, 12. Like, exactly. It's very kid, recent. So. You know, this is crazy. The town only has about 10,000 people. So when you do the math, that's an incredibly high. Where we're at now, about 2,900 here. So okay, yeah, three so times you, more people than where we are right now, um, and eight of the women are dead. That's pretty fucked unsolved. up. Yeah. So uh, you know, Tex mentioned this. I watched the docu series. Ordered the book. Had quite a bit of drama, Joey, with the book. Remember, I ordered it and it never got here. And I gave it to you because they sent me. I wound up getting two of them. Anyway, well, yeah, I I, that book right there. I really, really enjoyed reading it. But man, when I first got into it, I was like, "Am I going to be able to follow this?" Because there were so many names and shit. He does a nice job though with the tables of like the cops' names, the girls' names. No, that All was the a players. really good fucking index for reference. Yeah, uh, excellent. At first, though, yeah, I was just like, wow. wow. Yeah, that's how Sugar Babe was. <laughs> yeah. I had to watch it like three times just to understand it. I couldn't get past the teeth. It was so tough. That- <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's similar with this one, but Murder in the Bayou is the book as well as the docuseries. Got all sorts of twists and turns. Uh, lots of fingers to be pointed at the local cops, um, you know, for not making headway on what happened here. We're going to dig into it. And, of course, this is an unsolved case. So we're alleging, you know, we've read stuff and watched things and are commenting on it in no way, shape, or form accusing anybody of anything here. Uh, Now, Tex, how did you come across this one, man? It's absolutely nuts. Yeah, we had um, gotten back from New Orleans probably about a week before, and we were flipping through Amazon Prime. And uh, just happened to come across right. murder in the bayou and sure started Might watching. Well I was like, "Holy out. shit!" Yeah, right? we had just on the way back. We had stopped not in Jennings, but it was a town like right outside of Jennings. Oh um, wow! On our way and got gas, but I never knew I was that close. But yeah, <laughs> freaking insane, yeah. dude! It is really. And you sent me that text message, and I'm always all about the the true crime stuff. So that was great. And then you followed it up with another good one, which was Deadly Legacy, the Gacy docuseries. Yeah, Legacy. So yeah, Tex, you have been just a wealth of information. So it's awesome to get those contributions and bring you in to talk about this one. It's just absolutely just an awful story but at the same time there's so many characters that are almost bigger than life it's hard not to have some fun with this one and chris our listeners you know we talked about the episode we did on vera joe regal which is another awful story but that involves the sugar babe character and of course joey with the uh, punky brooks i mean all that stuff comes from that episode i don't know the number of it but it's in our top five uh, episodes. It was a Mother's year. Day yeah. last year. There you go. So uh, this is a similar story in just these incredibly dysfunctional families. Like the one guy, Chris, uh, his he was a, a father of one of the girls, and he's talking about he's a good dad, 
But he said he the, in the interview is like, They're didn't you smoke crack, crack yeah. with your daughter? Yeah, but I told like, her. Yeah, I told her not to do it though, baby girl. I said, don't do it. You know, pass me the crack pipe. Yeah. You know, like really. So that's like in the opening part of this, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be good. Going to be fucking definitely going to be crazy. But Chris, our listeners are definitely going to eat up all the just craziness I mean, of this one i mean like i said i wasn't able to see the fucking docuseries but like i said i listen to shit and the way it sounds i'm yeah. gonna look, obviously learn some shit myself but yeah god damn it's it is an insane story if it you really is. know anything about it and now i that i've checked some shit god yeah. damn it's, it's pretty fucked crazy up dude the corruption's real yeah for sure we're gonna talk a lot about that now joey this one is almost custom made <laughs> For Murder Metal Mayhem, yeah. wouldn't you agree? Yeah, uh, definitely the Murder and Mayhem part out of control. Right. And, <laughs> um, you know, like you like you said, being an open case, those are always sometimes fun to discuss because yeah. we're, we're being speculative and just giving uh, uh, our thoughts on the information that we've come across through various resources. Right. So, you know, there's not a legit outcome at this moment to this one. Unfortunately, no. No, not at all. So uh, what we're doing is trying to uh, uh, yeah. bring light to things sure. and maybe bring questions yeah. that need to be asked sure. uh, to light so people might be interested in it. Yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good thing to, to say. Um, the story told by the author of the book Murder in the Bayou, Ethan Brown, I thought he did a really great uh you know book and he was very involved with the docuseries too he was on it for most of the time um i watched it on prime like i said when tex told me about it but i know now it's not free unless you got i think it's on showtime that's how i recently watched it again um so strongly suggest you check it out the book is great he really does a good job and I did try to reach out to him. I didn't get a reply, which is cool. I'm sure he's a busy guy. But Chris, I was amazed. He was the dude that wrote that book, Shake the Devil Off, which we did Zach Zach Bowen. Bowen. And that was fucking nuts in New Orleans. And that's where this dude, Ethan Brown, lives. So he's based in New Orleans. So he is embroiled in this case as well as the the Zach Bowen one, which was before. So he did that. That's the guy jumped. that chopped up his girlfriend, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. jumped yeah. off the hotel room or the hotel. Yeah, right. Uh, so that's a crazy episode. If you missed that, go go dig into that one. But he wrote that book too, and I have that. So I uh, really like his books. He does a good job at telling the story in a way that doesn't feel like you're reading a textbook. Right. You know, like Harold Schechter's great with those two. Peter Vronsky, yeah. they write in a in an entertaining type way to where there's a lot of action. It keeps and a shit hold of you on. instead of, like you said, not textbook, but it yeah. keeps you interested in the book. It's yeah. funny because I was at Barnes and Noble recently, and uh, they got like their true crime section, but then they got like the best of their true crime section right before it. You know, like look at this first before you even have to. Go okay, to yeah. But they got like Veronsky shit in there. They've got the Ethan Brown shit. You know, right. And, uh, just a lot of stuff that we were, the feather thief was in there. I was nice. like, get the fuck out of wow. here. <laughs> feather thief. Oh, Tex, that's going to be a good one for sure, man. That's a crazy story. Feather thief. Awesome. Oh, that one's coming up, Joey. Edwin Riss. It is. That's going to be good in June. So, oh, cool. um, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Now, uh, something to try know- to reach out to him. 
<laughs> I have, I did originally, but yeah. found no way to. Okay, yeah, I was. But I would love that. to reach out to that dude and just do an interview with him about his. <laughs> That'd be flute. fucking crazy. Just yeah, the metal just the flute. flute. That's yeah. it. Don't is even talk else? about the is his flute posted under his own personal YouTube. <laughs> um, it's just metal flute is how you find him. Yeah. So yeah, I might like into that. Maybe try to try because I would YouTube, love yeah. to, man. I'd love to talk about his fucking flute. Uh, playing, <laughs> not his personal flute. Yeah. <laughs> that skin flute. <laughs> now so, I gotta Google it. <laughs> right? Yeah, you gotta go check out Metal Flute fucking uh, wrist. That's a crazy story. R-I-S-T. R-I-S-T. Yeah. Uh, something to note, though, about this area of Louisiana, uh, the I-10 corridor we're going to talk about. There was a big expose on Dateline uh, that showed the cops pulling over minorities and people with out-of-state plates and taking their property. And then the way the laws were written, it was very difficult for people to get their shit back. And This is before very the corrupt. This is before about. any yeah. of this. Yeah. yeah. So this was a big scandal. Uh, made them look really bad. They lost, I think the state of Louisiana lost, I think they estimated $150 million in uh, people not coming to the area because they were they like didn't want to this, drive you know? through there, yeah, yeah. Wow. So uh, let me go to Tampa instead, you know. But anyway, or Har- Hayworth, Chris. I mean, that would be a very you know. I mean, we got freaking fifty one right here, dude. dude we got bro. a Family Dollar. <laughs> we got a fucking Casey's we General just, Store. We're good. We can do whatever. <laughs> but anyway, this sheriff that was involved in that scandal is involved in the Jeff Davis eight one. So he. Leaves a lot to be desired. A lot of people don't really like this dude. Um, there is a lot of other murders that happened in the 90s that some believe could have had something to do with this whole scenario of police informants ending up dead. Right. Uh, very, very frightening. There was a couple killed in a about 10 years before this in their beds with a shotgun blast to the head. Yeah. Him to the head and her in her face. Uh, killed them both, and uh, that you know was just one of of a few different ones he talks about. So, pretty pretty shocking stuff. Now the victims in this story are allegedly into hard drugs, prostitution, and other nefarious things. I read that one of them led a girl into like a, an abandoned house and set her up to be like raped and beaten and like almost dead. Yeah. So these are not, you know good people by and large i mean it's fucked up and of course the documentaries always try to play you know and i'm not saying you shouldn't feel bad for these women of course but they are putting themselves in some pretty i mean fucked up situations you know? prostitution is one of the most high-risk jobs in the well, world yeah. because oh, yeah, yeah you, you're really vulnerable so it is considered unsolved it is unsolved um and again we're not trying to judge these women um, obviously, nobody deserves to be murdered and dumped on the side of the road. It's absolutely fucked up. But we're not trying to victim shame. But I just want to honestly mention what these people were involved with, because that is obviously what's putting them, you know, drugs. in the fucking crosshairs here to be taken advantage of. Unfortunately, yeah. Um, now, Tex, what is it with Louisiana? Seems to have a lot of these type of scandals and political shit going down what what is it about it i think it's because it's like a it's a pretty poor state for one and then you got i-10 that that goes from uh say houston which is a, right. which is a big drug hub and it goes all the way through 
you know, to New Orleans, which is another big drug hub. Okay. So Jennings is kind of right in the middle of that. Uh, uh, you know, it's a good place to stop, good place to hide the drugs. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's messed up. I knew that it was between the two, but I didn't think of it in relation to that. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. Now, one thing I learned from the book Murder in the Bayou is how the term Cajun came to be. I did not know this, but in New French, and I'm going to get a little history lesson here on oh, Murder man, Metal Mayhem. I didn't for school. <laughs> <laughs> in New French, uh, which would be where Quebec and Maine are today, there was the Arcadia Settlement and they were defeated by the Brits in, in the early 1700s, and they had to swear allegiance, and they just told them to fuck off, and they didn't. And they moved to Louisiana because the Spanish were okay with them living there because they told them they could only live in the swamps where nobody else wanted to be. <laughs> so they were just like outcasts. So, yeah. I mean, you got to kind of give it up. You know, these people started from some pretty rough fucking you know situation being in you know, the swamps where nobody wants to be and nobody really wants you, you know, and they're pretty, you know, proud people. And I think it's worth mentioning. I just had no idea that that's how that all came to be. So uh, the Arcadians, the Americans called them Cadians. And then at some point it got changed to Cajun. I don't know if somebody was drunk or I mean, what the deal <laughs> all these Cajuns. <laughs> yeah, so that became Cajun. So that's where that comes from. I just was uh, pretty interested to know because i never knew that and i is in that book now jennings louisiana is about three hours west of new orleans uh fairly close to lafayette in south in the southwest corner of the state and as tex mentioned you got houston to the west uh right between the two with i-10 corridor um these french cajun names you know i'm going to do the best i can but uh, we might need your help with that text if we can't get Dude, one of these. So there's, I got you, a, baby. there's a few of them. Uh, you'll also notice that many of the people we discussed have the same last names. Yeah, but yeah, Dan, uh, the the author Ethan Brown says that uh, a lot of them are not related. Right, it's yeah. just it's such just common, common like name. that Chasson. There are a couple that are related. There's like but it's like Brown, you know, like yeah. everybody's name Smith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Shawback. Right. <laughs> that Shawback. Hell no. <laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, it, you know, we'll do the best we can. Now, the first victim uh, is Loretta Chasson Lewis, 28. She's found floating in a canal by a fisherman in May of 2005. Body's very decomposed. Um, she's known to have a crack addiction. Again, prostitution. Uh, the police assumed, though, you know, her murder was just because of her lifestyle. Um, but, Chris, I mean, the sheriff's, you know, the parish took a lot of heat for people thought they were victim shaming. I don't know what I your mean, thoughts I, are. At the time, like, from what I've seen within the past, like, 20 years or whatever, I don't know how many unsolved murders this fucking county or parish, whatever, has. It is so many, it's ridiculous. So I could see how the public would be like, can you please look further into this? I'm yeah. sorry, dude. Like, come on with it. But I, So I'm sure you took a lot of shit. So yeah, well, a lot of him. people thought they just weren't taking it seriously right, enough because, because she came from the wrong side wrong, of the track. Literally the literally, wrong side right. of the tracks. Yeah, the way Jennings is cut mm -hmm. up, it is literally, you're on the south side, I think, of the tracks and that's, was where the bad parts were. Right. And the other, the north part... 
the uh, above the tracks was uh, life nice like suburban nice homes yeah like straight up yeah legit cut like that no you, joke right it's you had a, a very diverse you know from extremes uh in jennings which is crazy um now less than a month later in june of 05 another body turns up that was ernestine patterson <laughs> Uh, another canal uh, south of Jennings. She's 30 year old. She's a black woman. Um, also part of that whole scene in there in Jennings. Um, there were two men held for second degree murder, but then the charges were dropped. You hear that a lot with this one. Yeah. Uh, with the, yep. you know, the, they arrest somebody. They look like they're pretty likely to at least been involved with it. And then mysteriously charges are dropped, which. Uh, Joey, I'm thinking that kind of smells of uh, somebody's uh, being an informant. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, that's normally what happens. We're not here to judge, but my common sense tells me. <laughs> my right. yeah, yeah, of course. Tex, would that not be correct? That typically when they're letting them out like that, it's probably because they're working yeah. for the police, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. You got information? Yeah. That's jail uh get out of jail free card right there that's right that's right let me see your papers so you have the <laughs> citizens of the town upset they want justice for these girls killed not even a month apart uh there's people you know on the docuseries they interview that you know the police just don't seem to give a shit because of where they're from uh joey and we see this kind of thing a lot involving cases with prostitutes that are killed Police, you know, maybe don't seem to give a shit as much, but if it's like a congressman's daughter, uh, you know, in Aruba or whatever the fuck that Natalie Holloway and yeah. cases like that just seem to right. drive people crazy, but these girls don't matter. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, low profile because considered high risk, considered people that uh, society doesn't care about right. or know about. Um I feel like there's three kinds of situations with it, and every one of them, you know, is sad. But you got uh, Gary Ridgeway is killing prostitutes, and he kills so many of them. Oh yeah, and the sixty or the 70. only reason that he even got that, the only reason he got caught is because he was killing so fucking many. If he had killed fucking seventeen, they still probably wouldn't have cared at that point. Probably they not. launched yep. an investigation because they kept finding body after body after yeah. body. Yeah. Now you got another situation. Robert Hansen in uh, Alaska, Alaska, and right. he's fucking killing prostitutes too. And nobody's raising an eyebrow until one fucking escapes. Right. And then you got to fucking question right. what's going on. They misstep at some point. Right. And then you have the third situation that that I see with this is uh, the ongoing Long Island serial killer case, because there's just a ton of prostitutes being killed along this area. Right. And you're finding bodies, but. Is there really that big of an investigation into it? Because it doesn't seem that way. Right. I think what makes this one different, though, is that um, the uh, this isn't a serial killer. Right. This That's is true. Yeah. A, a nefarious group, group of, of yeah. people yeah. in this like oh, cabal to but, like wipe these fucking girls off the map. It's pretty fucked up. I mean, it's yeah. different. Than the serial killer stalking the women. But at the, the same women. time, but the, 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 but the, the cops, victims are still not like they don't matter to anybody. Right, but the cops also tried to spin this as a serial killer. At well, one of point. course, yeah, they wanted to take right. the heat away so, from them. So it's not a serial killer, but people are being informed that it sure, is. Sure, in the beginning, yeah. so they're living down right. their life. There is one. Yeah, and and technically, it probably was one or two. Yeah, it's. I'm sure it was a point. group of them, yeah. but I'm, I'm sure somebody was involved in most of it. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, now, Tex, one of the characters of this, just the, the just guy kills me every time I watch this stuff. <laughs> oh, Frankie Richard, a uh, total piece of shit, known all these girls, a real scumbag. He sold drugs, pimped out women, lived in some shithole trailer on the edge of town. I mean, this guy's like a character from a fucking story. Yeah. Um, he's involved with these women. I mean, what do you think, Tex? I mean, how involved was old Frankie Richard in this thing? In my mind, he was very involved. I mean, you got the sheriff, been around for like decades, right? Um, all that. And you know, Frankie Richard was around for a long time too, selling his drugs and pimping out women. Right. In my mind, he w- they were both working together. Yeah. Or somebody in that police department was working with him. Oh, There's yeah. No way he can get away with all that shit. No way, dude. And then at the end, we're going to talk about how he ends up. And I think that even further puts an exclamation point on what you just said, Tex, because, yeah, Yeah. I think you're right on there with this dude was very involved. He was definitely working with him. Um, And he says, you know, that he was involved. He didn't even pull any punches, really. And you watch the interviews with him. We're going to play a clip of him later just because it's just this most intelligible nonsense, but he goes on about the police and how they're fucked up and he's tired of giving him his fucking money. So pretty crazy. Um, Now, almost two years goes by before the next one shows up. March of 07, 21 year old Kristen Gary Lopez is found floating in another canal. Her mother is on the docu-series. Very heartbreaking. All these families. It's terrible, you know, to see this kind of stuff. Um, Talks about her going to Family Dollar and walking home and never getting there. Um, they show her on video getting the, I think, a minutes on her phone. phone yeah. mm-hmm. And she leaves, and then, you know, boom. She seems to vanish, but she's also involved in the whole scene there with drugs and prostitution like the others. Um, and then going back to old Frankie Richard, who always seems to be at the epicenter of all this shit. Yeah. Him and his niece, Hannah Connor, get her, are arrested but later released, Chris. Yeah, because they're figure. for it and everything, like what happened. Yeah, they think they're involved. A witness had come forward and said she saw Kristen get into a truck with Frankie and Hannah just before she's found dead. Later, that witness, and she's on this docuseries, and there, this bitch is lying, in my opinion. She mm-hmm. later says she was mistaken, Tex. What's up with that? You think hey, somebody told know, her, man. you better shut the fuck up or you're going to end up dead? That guy's name was Frankie Richard. Yeah, I think you're right, dude. He reached out and said, you better not say anything. And all of a sudden, she doesn't know what happened. So she's claiming she doesn't know. Again, it's is unsolved. But, you know, just saying what's very obvious on the on the docuseries did not read about that part of it in the book. I'd be interested to see, because like always, the book adds so much more background and stuff. It's. It, 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 I'm sure there's more to the story there. Now, um, Chris, it, you know, the fact the police don't seem to have anything on anyone is very frustrating because, again, they're arresting people and letting them go. And then you got people that are afraid to, you know, have women at the anything, house. Yeah. I mean, that's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even just that. Like, uh, it got to the point to where, like, other girls that ended up getting murdered, they, like, had a feeling they knew it was going to happen they have relatives yeah there were some that said that that's right that are like i telling they were telling their mother or whatever like something's going to happen to me i know right 
I know something I shouldn't know or right. And they knew that they were going to die. And like a couple days later, they were gone. Right. That, that Kristen Gary Lopez, I think she witnessed the murder of somebody that the police were involved with. And that would definitely put a fucking X on your head. Wasn't she uh, at the one where the two got shot in the head? Right. I believe so. I I believe so. so. There was uh, one with uh, the cops that uh, raided the house. And is that the one? Same one? Yeah. Yeah. They raided the house and had the guy and they killed him. Yeah. 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 So that's Mm -hmm. a fucked up situation. And the guy that shot him, we're going to get to this, is supposed to be the fucking jailer. Right. Like, what the hell is he doing (laughs) out there shooting people? We'll get to that, Tex. I definitely want to hear your say. Now, and the jailer's th- also getting pussy. <laughs> yes, he Just is. Between the bars, yeah. yeah yep. like, what the fuck? <laughs> between God the bars. Damn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nothing ever happened with that investigation oh, either. No, no nothing, nothing ever nothing. happened with that. Because all the sexual fucking harassment charges. Yeah, and shit I mean, that, this yeah. is, like we said, hold on tight for this one. It just keeps getting worse. <laughs> Over the next 18 months, the bodies of four more women are found. 26-year-old Whitney Dubois. All these girls had really strange spellings of what should be common names. Whitney Dubois, uh, 23-year-old Laconia Muggy Brown. They kept calling her Muggy. That was her nickname. Uh, Supposedly, Muggy was the one that lured that girl into that house I was talking about earlier. Okay. According to uh, Ethan, uh, the author of that book. Uh, 24 24 year old Crystal Shea Benoit Zeno. That's a long tongue twister there. And 17 year old Brittany Gary. Uh, They were found in various places. Um, The last one was found on the side of I 10, which is fucked up. Um, Mm -hmm. Mitt Whitney was in the middle of the road, which was crazy. And that docuseries text, they talk about that one guy that was in the truck with the other guy. And he seemed to know where the body was before they got there. Yeah. 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 That was a little suspicious. He saw it from a location. Yeah. Like half mile away. The guy's like, there's no fucking way he could have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes back there. Very suspicious with that dude. Um, So there's a lot of people here, I think, in the periphery that are all entangled in this mess. Um, These girls, though, are found in all these different places. There's no obvious trauma. So they're assuming at that point they're died uh, by asphyxiation. Uh, one thing I did notice with many of the victims, uh, again, with the strange spelling and the uh, some of them with the uh, French names, uh, which, of course, is the whole Cajun thing. Right. Uh, so far, the victims are all white except for Laconia and Ernestine. They were black. Uh, the families of the victims are on the docuseries, obviously destroyed. Ernestine, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking if it's a boy, it's Ernest. If it's a girl, it's <laughs> Ernestine. Yeah, that's Man, it. Yeah, Ernestine. Yeah. Yeah. Bing, 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 bing. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, distraught over this. I mean, who wouldn't be? I mean, you feel for these families absolutely horrible. Joey, it does seem though like the fix is in with these cases. The cops still don't seem to have any leads. And you're thinking of a town of 10,000 people yeah. with as many police as they had on this thing. They should have been able to figure this out. I mean, looking at it with, you know, my glasses from up here in Illinois years later, like <clears throat> to me, it all seems like very connected between the the police, the politicians and the, the drug lords there. Right. Um so for me to say that, that's one thing. But for these people, while they're living down here, while that's going on, you've got these bodies popping up. And if all them people are involved in wiping out what they don't want, that's one thing. But then you got 
this whole part of this town that's like, no, what the hell is going on? And right. that's the only reason that we're even talking about this right now. Right. Because these people are like, no, fuck that. We're not going to hush about this right. shit. And, yep. uh, it, I mean, it's, it's super fucked up. And it, like you said, it, it doesn't seem like the police have any leads, but maybe they have some leads they couldn't pursue. It's very or possible. Uh, the same people yeah. you're reporting yeah. to are the same people – or the same people yeah. investigating are basically the same people involved. Yeah. They're so, very involved. Yeah. I was going to get to but that. But you here. can't hide the fact that, okay, so we pulled all these bodies out. We know right. that we have all these, these right. deaths. So this is, I think, at this point where we were talking about earlier where they even brought up, okay, I think we have a serial killer now. Right. And it's like, okay, that's what you're going to go to. Right. But it's way more yeah. fucked up than that. It is. It yeah. really is. Now, Tex, I mean, they bring up the corruption of the Jeff Davis uh parish uh sheriff's department <laughs> before we get into the nitty-gritty of that did you have anything you want to say i mean obviously you're in this line of work um and have been for years and so i'd really love to hear what you have to say about all that because there's a lot of very shady things that have happened with these guys there's a lot of shady things that happen where i work too but uh this takes the cake like Joey was saying about the, the cartels, the politicians, and the cops, when you mix those three, you know, and money, right? there you go. That's perfect mix for corruption right there. That's true. That's yeah. true, man. That's very, very true. Uh, I think it starts at the top. You know, we mentioned the sheriff, uh, December of 08, Sheriff Ricky Edwards. Yeah. Same Ricky Edwards that was there during that whole debacle with the the, the speed traps yeah. and all that shit on I-10. Still, right. Still involved with this shit. He sets up a task force, finally, to involve local, state, and even the FBI. Um, he would be the target of opposition who just felt he wasn't doing enough, didn't seem to really care. And then, you know, again, referring to their, you know, uh, lifestyles and, you know, people didn't like that. But again, I don't think it needs to be put neon lights around, but I don't see where it hurts being um, part of the conversation. I mean, it'd be like talking about somebody in a car wreck that was a race dri race car driver. You know, that yeah. puts that in a much different yeah. context, okay? Right. So, so that's all I'm saying with this here. Um, so despite this task force, they have now an eighth victim. So 26-year-old Nicole, another weird spelling, Nicole Guillory found on the side of the I-10. That was the last one. And that's amazing that the FBI was right in the middle of that um, and text. They did it right under their nose. I mean, they were in town. Yeah, I don't understand how all that happened. Yeah. And, you know, the sheriff, he's an elected official, too. How do you keep electing this dude? Right. With all well, the shit going on. Well, I'm guessing that the people on the north side of the tracks were maybe, you this know, like, more going to the poll type of people than than the other the south side, they, the you south don't side vote don't you know keep the shit in there you know unfortunately that's a drain the swamp like literally with this dude uh right. needs to be um but the people the media are screaming again they bring up the serial killer thing which you know <laughs> i never heard of any sort of dna evidence or right. any kind of physical evidence that yeah. would have said it was a serial killer no i think but i think just... they're just trying to keep people fucking exactly. off their back Exactly. Yeah. And, boy, know, yeah. A common foe that's not you, because right. at that point everybody thinks Ricky Edwards is a fucking piece of shit. And you know? Ricky and, Edwards, right. like 
through all this, he's been seen with so many of the victims and family members of the victims, you know, yeah. at, at just very inopportune times. Well, it's a small town, too. That's very the true. thing. Yeah. These, these yeah. people are, like, intertwined in the community, yeah. <laughs> literally. Um, the but, task force doubled. I lived in fucking Forest, and you lived in Fairbury, and we weren't just kicking it with the cops and shit like that. No, hell no. <laughs> you know not at all. We, like, right. at no, all. we disappeared no. from the cops. Yeah. Like, fuck, don't want to see you. <laughs> not at all. The uh, task force doubles the reward for solving the murders, but still nothing happens. Now, Chris, Tex brought up the police and the cops and, you know, all this shadiness that's been going on. What do you think Dude, about I, it? I mean... I'll, the fucking cops had to be involved. There's no way around it. In my opinion, yeah. I'm not saying it's what happened, but of course, like you said, with everybody getting brought in, question, and like, oh, you're free to go, like, right? We'll let you Nobody go. else is, could get away with all this bullshit that wasn't that in wasn't bed with the in, police. Exactly, literally in some to. cases here. Yeah, like 100 <laughs> literally. In some you know, cases. I mean, these and people it, were awful. Was it the sheriff? And I heard uh, the sheriff. Was it the sheriff and his wife would drive around? Said they pick up women drug them no it and wasn't he, the sheriff but it was a it was one of the deputies yeah. and his wife would go around pick up girls and they drug had a, like them a hidden room in his fucking trailer torture them and shit yeah. yeah it's fucked up yeah. man um the new york times eventually runs a story on this in january of 2010 and this really makes it a a news story national level uh, lots of attention brought on the sheriff's department rightfully so uh, they bring up the fact that you know one of the cops warren gary was the one who bought the truck that Frankie was seen in right, yeah. the night before with the when Kristen Gary turned up missing, uh, Kristen Gary Lopez. So they believe the body would have been transported in that truck, possibly. Which, that, it, he did, bought the truck for like cheap as shit. He bought it from like an 8, inmate. Dollars. He bought it from an inmate and then resold it. For but like, in, like in, in the interim, 15, he fucking detailed like, the shit out and cleaned it all up <laughs> yeah. and went to the car wash. Which, like, which, which he got in trouble later. He did. For purchasing an item yeah. from He an did. Inmate, he got but, reprimanded and fined, but then so he was put But then he was put in charge of the evidence room. <laughs> he was. Tex, I mean, are you fucking kidding? me with this shit i mean how is the guy working for the fucking sheriff's department and then to put him in the evidence room i mean what i mean it's like folly it's like a saturday night live episode right like hey back when it was funny <laughs> right right but yeah i hey, mean <laughs> just a couple things yeah one he was working for that sheriff 100 the deputy you know he works at the uh, at the pleasure of the sheriff, he can hire and fire whatever he wants to do. Right. And then two police unions. Yeah. True. They're a scourge. They're a scourge. They can get a piece of shit back on the job in no time. So, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Evidence Room. There you Ma go. Remember yeah. what we were talking about with the fucking the, the Dahmer case where those two cops ended up getting put back on the case? Yeah. And back yeah, pay? Exactly. Right. That's back pay. Up. That is fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So the New York Times article gets the attention of the writer. I mentioned Ethan Brown, who went to Jennings to investigate. He stirs up a fucking hornet's nest. Oh, dude, he like actually put his life in risk. Doing yeah, what he, he was did. in the middle of all this shit. Yeah. I definitely dangerous. Um, he's based in New Orleans, as I mentioned. Um, he seemed to just take away from the the serial killer theme. And more of what we've been talking about, this complex web of a lot of fucking shadiness on all levels, from roughing somebody up to throwing them in a fucking ditch as a lifeless fucking corpse. So these are some bad fucking actors for sure. 
a lot of dangerous people involved here. Definitely not what we know of as a serial killer because this just doesn't fit that at all, right? Um, He also points out that, you know, while the girls are known to have drug problems, they are also police informants. And that seems to be a huge red flag to anybody that watches any of this or listens or reads it um, because that had to have played a role. That's the common thread beyond the lives that they led. That was just in addition to like, this is like the perfect storm here. Uh, Joey, that that docuseries we've been talking about gets into the theory uh, with the girls being informants and that, you know, they saw something they shouldn't have seen. That's mentioned many times in the docuseries. So what is it that they fucking saw? And it must have been something bad enough that they had to die for it. Yeah, I mean, you can only base your shit off the research and what you read on these things, of course. Right. um, To me, it seems like, okay, were these girls informants? Yeah, probably at some point they were all an informant, I would think, because I would bet all of them have been busted under some kind of circumstance, prostitution, drugs, whatnot. Right. And because these fucking, the jailers and and all them are corrupt too, they're going to let them out because they're fucking having sex with them. They're uh, getting them to bring hookers to them. Right. They, uh, I mean, they're busting. They're probably telling them where to get the drug bus. I mean, oh, yeah. all that shit. So to say that these girls were informants, yeah, they probably were because right. none of them were in prison for their lives. Right. And all of them were out. And like Tex said, I bet like, you know, Frankie and, and these the, the cops and all them, they'd been coming up in this area for so long together that they had yeah. some kind of situation oh, going yeah. on with them. They and were all course, making money here. Right. And, of course, of you're bringing in every generation of new young girls right. in, into your ring. So, yeah, they're seeing shit that's going on. Right. But they're also all addicted to drugs. You're you're giving them places to stay. Yeah. You're offering them, quote, unquote, protection. Right. But in all reality, every one of them knows that they could be the next one to end up on the side of the road. Right. Which, like Chris said, some of them told people, yes. like, I'm going to end yep. up dead. You know, and, and we're really concerned about it. Um, now, two people told Sergeant Jesse Ewing on video that they knew more about that whole issue with the truck being scrubbed. Um, he took that to the FBI. I was amazed at this. His claims were relayed back to the task force, and then he was fired. Right. Um, that's <clears throat> some fucking bullshit. Yeah. You know, he's trying to fucking find out what's going on here and they fire and him. he's not going to be the first one or the last one. Oh, i'm sure not now in addition multiple witnesses claim that one of the members of the sheriff's office david barry was known this is what you were talking about chris cruising and with his okay, wife yeah. and picking up these girls and taking them home to the sex room they had uh definitely you know some Shady shit for a deputy sheriff to be doing like that out in the open like that. That's pretty fucking ballsy. And, Chris, the more you hear about these fucking people, the more it seems like they had to have been in on it. But these are just some very, very shady motherfuckers. Uh, There was the whole thing where the female officers or whatever put a took a lawsuit out against like the sheriff and everything and some deputies because of the sexual acts. Oh, like, okay. He, like they were pulling his dick out. Like, Oh yeah. Oh, I'm sure sexual harassment's dude, all like the time, at the like, bottom for, of the like, list with, with all the shit yeah, they've done here. Right? Sex and shit. Like I was hearing that. I <laughs> wow. was like, God damn dude. Yeah. How is this guy even, how are these cops even still cops? They I got to think the worst though, or, or one of the worst is this Terry Guillory. 
He's the cop in charge at the jail. He's the one we were talking about having sex with the inmates. Yeah. One witness said he was doing it through the bars. I right, mean, that's like, what seriously? Joey said, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what the fuck? Well, there was that one. I, I can't remember. I think it was pretty much how the book started off, but it was talking about one of the witnesses. She was in the jail cell with the other lady. Oh, yeah. The one who became, she was a victim. I can't right. remember which one. But she looked down and saw her legs in the air, and he was fucking her. Right. And then she ended up getting out. Right. Right after that. So it's just yeah. like, but there was something else, and I can't remember. Uh, I think it was a nurse at the fucking jail or something. There was some other female who also the same kind of situation. She saw some shit with Shady on a few ends right. and tried to bring it up, and she ended up getting chastised and fired over it, too. Wow. It's yeah, just, it's just fucked up. It was two it is people that up. really did try to to speak up for what was going on. Right, they right. Just were they snuffed up. out fast as hell. Yeah, yeah, and this guy who's supposed to be in charge of the jail somehow ends up on this scene where they do a bust and yeah. they shoot this dude. Yeah, and he shot him. You know, like what the fuck? I mean, I don't even know how that happens. Tex, I mean, <laughs> seriously, you're supposed to be like in charge of the jail. Are you doing anything out there like this? Does that just seem crazy to you? It's, uh, yeah, it's beyond crazy to me. <clears throat> I don't see how anybody could get any, get away with any of this stuff that's going on in this jail. Yeah, it's so it's, outrageous. It's crazy. It is. It's so outrageous. Um, his wife also was involved in that evidence room, too. Yeah, so this yeah. is, shit is just permeating. Yeah, yeah. Um, and amazingly, that dude is, at least at the time of the book uh, being written a few years ago, was a cop still in Lake Arthur, Louisiana. So be careful if you're driving through there. Uh, you might want to take a little detour. I don't know where that is. Which, but. honestly, I think uh, I did, I saw something about it in Lake Arthur is also a pretty fucking corrupt area. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it, man. Yeah. If this guy's there, yeah. I mean, Jesus. Um, you still have Frankie Richard, the pimp, the strip club owner, the rap sheet, like Santa's fucking, you know, nice list. <laughs> um, as sleazy as they fucking come, somehow is not actually in jail. Um, he's involved with all the girls, partied with them, pimped them out, had sex with them himself. One of them was his niece, who he claimed he never did anything with her. But I don't, you know, this guy. I wouldn't put anything past well, this past me like America. Yeah, so he's just a scum. <laughs> I've got a thirty-second clip that I'm going to play of uh, Frankie Richard talking on the documentary. So. You just got to hear this to believe it, because I'm trying to do this justice, but this, guy is, this guy's no. fucking hammered. So hang on a second. My relationship with the police and them here is about the same as it is with the police today. Now, what the fuck? I didn't trust them. I didn't like them. And I goddamn sure wasn't going to give them some of my money that I fucking worked for. I had a habit to support, you know? I wasn't making enough fucking money to support their habit, too. Damn. <laughs> Can't support so, the cops' habits, man. <laughs> Shit. So that just puts this in context here of what we're talking about. I mean, just some rough and tumble fucking people on the fucking streets here yeah. doing this shit. Um, now... Text the big bombshell of the docuseries, though, would come later with um, the good old Boudreaux in and the character Big G, and you got a congressman yeah, yeah. involved with this. 
So what's right. going on with the Boudreaux Inn, man? Now Martin uh, Martin Guillory, Big G, right? He owned the he owned the Boudreaux Inn, right? And we all know that's where the girls went to work as prostitutes. It was a rest stop for the drug trade, right? Um, Currently for Big sale G. too, by the way, Tex. Yeah, yeah, it is. It sure is. <laughs> I was going to put uh, a Big bid G. on it. Let Chris run it. Hell yeah, bro! <laughs> Shawbank Nation relocating. <laughs> Yeah, Big G was also a field rep yeah. for a Louisiana congressman, Charles Boots, uh, Bustani. Really? And uh, this leads me to logically think that Bustani, he was involved in covering up all the murders. Right. And at the very least, or at the very least, and involved in the murders, uh, you know, worst case scenario. And yeah. It People saw him. Paint a very good picture. Yeah, people see him at a place like that. You definitely don't want that coming out. He was in the middle of a fucking uh, a race, which this was, you know, obviously like the third fucking rail. You know, right. he didn't need. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, this would be like heralded, but back then, a little more sane. Uh, this would have definitely <laughs> trashed his uh, his character. But yeah, you got Big G, yeah. very nefarious. You know, typical big Cajun dude, um, very, you know, much, you know, owning, of course, the, the Boudreaux and then that congressman. Definitely uh, a lot of a lot of shadiness from top to bottom. And that's why it. I don't see any other way that these people weren't all, you know, one hand washes the other. I'll look right. the other way. You guys do this. You give me a little piece of the drugs, you know, whatever, and well, they're all yeah, making I'll money. I'll look the other way. Yeah, yeah they're all making money right. here. Um, but what did these girls know so bad that they needed to be killed? I mean, I guess, like Tech said, you're talking about a drug, you know, corridor here. You got a lot of money flying around, and people obviously will kill for money. So I think, uh, yeah, that's it's like got to be that there's that much money being made here that it's worth killing these girls. Crime to passion, right? crime, or, uh, murder of passion, and murders of money are like the biggest things. So right, yeah. it's certainly yeah. not a passion thing here with these no, girls. Definitely it's, not. It's Nobody defi- cared about them. No, not at all. Now uh, I mentioned earlier about Kristen Lopez was a witness to that murder that happened on that drug bust we right. were talking about. Yeah. I think that was the case. Um, but it makes sense that they would be killing off anyone that might bring them down, whether it be the congressman, you know, Big G, yep. the sheriff, mm-hmm. everybody in the food chain here seemed to be at some way getting fed at the trough here. It just, it just no right. way. It I really just doesn't too. make any sense. Yeah, man's got to eat. Man's got to eat. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> Charles Bustani sued, the congressman sued the author of the he book, did. Ethan Brown, for writing the story about his potential involvement. Um, but when he lost the election uh, for his Senate seat, he wound up dropping the suit. So I it saw it somewhere that yeah. somebody Fuck called yeah. his book off. Uh, fiction too yeah i heard that yeah. somewhere that somebody called his book fiction right but if you look at it it's like nah probably not so no, much i fiction. mean he legitimately sat down with every player in this story and right. did very in-depth inter- interviews with these people yeah. uh i give you know like i said i really liked his other book about uh, zach bowen right. um ethan brown's really good and there's other books he's done too i might check out um in 2016 ethan brown wrapped up his reporting and the book was published and then the five-part uh, docu-series came out. Uh, but, Joey, it's a very sensational story when you involve sex, drugs, you know, 
lots of money. You know, you got the political angle here with the congressman. I mean, do you see any other reason why these girls ended up dead other than what we've been talking about? I mean, it definitely seems like a good MO to it. And when Ethan Brown's book came out, like, basically the whole Congress is like the second to last chapter in the book right. where he talked about the congressman deal and yeah that was like the bombshell for that book or whatnot and yeah when that came out people were like what the fuck and yeah it was crazy because uh <clears throat> even the local jennings press who had gave him support while he was there right once this all came out and everything they fucking were like no that dude's a prick and right. he, he's writing lies right and yeah i don't know it was it was Weird how it all happened. So were they influenced by somebody telling them right. to publish like that? Right. That was still around there that had power? True. Or were they really looking at him like, yo, you just fucking fucked up some other shit? Right. Or however they see it. Well, there know? was that one reporter on the docuseries that, that said it continually every time they showed his name said former reporter. <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't there yeah. anymore, yeah. but he yeah. talked pretty badly Ooh, about right. all of them. And he definitely seemed like us that... You know, and the thing is, is that the sheriff was taking a lot of heat locally, of course, because there's nobody else to point the finger to. But in reality, he was like somewhere in the middle of that food chain that seemed like it started all the way with the congressman on down. You know, right, right. So, I mean, as fucked up as old Ricky seemed to be. Yeah. I think he was more just doing what he was told and more than happy to make a little extra money for, you know, retirement. And I mean, something that I found super incriminating, at least to what I saw, was whenever they were trying to they were trying to find out who owned the inn and all right. that. And and whenever mm-hmm. they asked Big G and all of them, and they were like, uh, no, no involvement, yada, yada. Right. And then later on, easily found documents that right. were fucking brought Put up. Put them from, together. Yeah, there, you're like, yeah. okay, yeah. there's your names right there. Right. And it's like, so why were you lying about that at right. all? Unless you had some to. Yeah, and there were a couple of girls high, yeah. that had been with the, the, congressman, the congressman that it was like his yep. favorites. Right, yeah. And they ended mm-hmm. up dead. So, I mean, his how the fuck does bitches. that even work? His bottom bitches, right? Um, so, Frankie bottom Richard, <laughs> Frankie Richard <laughs> did some prison time after this case got out and then died in May of 2020. So, he just died, uh, you know, less than a year ago. Um, some say he was killed from some bad heroin that he was given. So that's what I would imagine. However, he wink, was in wink. the middle of writing a book about his experience with the police. A so, dude, like, yeah. how were you not in the witness protection program doing yeah, some shit sitting, like that? Don't be sitting. Yeah. He was pretty cocky about it, and I think that's what probably ended up, uh, you know, shooting some bad dope because somebody made sure he got something. He yeah, he got a hot dose. Yeah. yeah. Right. So yeah. it's just too with all the th- with all the things about this yeah. story. There's no way that he just, in my opinion, died of just by accident. I think somebody had something to do with it. But you know, will we ever know? Hard to say. It was like Jimmy Conway and Goodfellas killing everybody off because right. he's getting paranoid. That's yeah, true, exactly. yeah. dude. Yeah, <laughs> like just I like told that. you not to fucking buy anything. <laughs> um, so uh, so it really wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but the murders of the Jeff Davis eight is still considered an open case, and unfortunately, I mean, you got all those families just completely torn apart, very upset. But guys, anything you want to add, Chris, Joey, Tex, anything? Uh it was uh, David Barry and his old lady that had the room and whatnot, right? Right. Now, he he's the one that died in 2010, and like none of the murders happened after that. So I saw somewhere mm-hmm. that everybody bl- was blaming him oh. for all that because, I mean, how, how is he going to protect or protect himself from people accusing that? But yeah. I, I, I did see that, that 
they blamed it all on him because he did. Interesting. Yeah, I had not heard that one, but uh, I, yeah. I, there was like, a, I was trying to think of which victim it was, but one sad tidbit about this is one of those victims, I'm pretty positive, she had went and bought a bus ticket to so move like leave. up to Ohio or something. Oh, wow. To get away from all that shit and like literally died that day. Oh, Dude, man. And there was a, That's terrible. the one yeah. victim, not, not one of the eight victims, but... Wasn't there a dude that Brown talked to and like the next day ended up getting murdered? I think you're right. Like one of the there witness was, dudes. Like right. one of the witness dudes, like the author Brown, he was talking to him one day and like the next day he was gone. He ended yeah, up getting I seem murdered. to remember yeah. that. But these cases get they get very confusing. There's dude. so many moving parts. Uh yeah. One of the last things I was gonna say too is um <clears throat> so after the book came out and all that, <clears throat> the parish sheriff, Ivy Woods of Jefferson Davis. He posted a note on the department's website and it says that Brown is an author of fiction stories yeah, that's what I, and yeah. decries wow. the article for insinuating corruption in our sheriff's office. And that note is still up under the heading from the desk of Sheriff Woods. God damn. <laughs> wow. That's fucked up. Tex, anything you wanted to say about this? Yeah, man. Uh, <clears throat> my big take, or one of my big takeaways from all of this is out of all this stuff we've been talking about, what would have happened if those victims were from the other side of the tracks? Right, right. No, everything you know? would have been. Oh, this would have been on fucking twenty four seven news, man. Yeah, that that was my one of my big takeaways. So yeah. It would have been like if this was Natalie Holloway. They would have figured it out yeah. quick. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It really is. Now, uh, I did my research with a variety of sources. I mentioned the book and docu series "Murder in the Bayou." Really, really good. Um, I also read a great article on biography.com about the case that summarized it very, very well, uh, right. very well done. Um, there are other articles and news stories you can find out. Um, I read one in Rolling Stone. That was really oh, good. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah the, um, uh, the author, Ethan Brown, he's written articles in Rolling Stone yeah. and GQ and a ton of, a ton of stuff. So he's, he's very accomplished. Um, so, Tex, thanks for coming on to talk to yeah, us dude, again, man. This is fun, man. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's of course. always a blast. Always a blast. Now, you're doing this a new way. Um, you're doing it CK yep. style. So you got yourself a little setup there. You want to explain how, what you're doing? Yeah, I got the old uh, Yeti Blue yep. fucking right. set up here. Nice. Yeah, man, with my Knox uh, headphones. Awesome. Awesome. Coming what what color my, Yeti did you get? I got the black one. Nice, man. that's the you one got we got too. CK yeah. got a, yeah, I got yeah. a, a red one. Oh, cool. Yeah, they have a lot of cool colors, but <laughs> and you're using gig. what software? Uh, let's see, Audacity. Okay, very cool. Audacity and coming through talking to you on a uh, messenger. Nice, right, dude? Sounds yeah, good. So, so yeah, so you're going to be doing this like CK does. So hopefully, I mean, right now your audio sounds amazingly yeah, sounds well. Fucking great, dude. Just talking to us on the Yeti through Messenger, but when you send me the recorded track, it'll sound like you're in here. It's going to be great. So uh, cool, that's cool. awesome. You got uh, you know your little setup going on over there, and going to be more of a contributor. We got another episode coming up. We're going to be doing on Alcatraz, yeah. which definitely want to get you in on that one tech. So that'll be cool. Cool. All right. Well, All right. next week we're going to be doing a, a month of fucked up serial killer moms, 
not necessarily serial killers, but just fucked up right. moms. The whole the, the Mother's Day theme. Yeah. We usually do a fuck. May of murdering mommies. <laughs> That's may right. Murdering may of mommies. murdering mommies. Or moms that got murdered. <laughs> we usually do fucked up ones on Mother's Day. We did Sugar Babe. We've yeah. done. We did, what was uh, it? Catherine, Catherine Knight. Knight. We uh, did. Uh, oh, Barbara Opal. Barbara Opal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We've did some really awful ones. That Barbara Opal one was so brutal with the kids. With the kids, the dude, dude. Up Come with on, With a baseball man. bat to death. Dude. Because the mom told them to do it. That's mom fucked said up. Kill. So we're going to do a whole month of them, and we're going to start it off, Joey, with one that you've been wanting to do. Yeah, Teresa Knorr. Yeah, there's very like, fucked uh, up. In all my fucking studies of true crime and all that, there's like a handful of cases that like just stuck in my mind for whatever reason. Yeah, and that's this is one of them. So I'm glad to do this one. That's cool. And you know, I sometimes our humor here is pretty dark. Yeah. And this probably is almost to the point where I don't know if I'm going to do it because it's so bad. Yeah. But I thought of a really good karaoke song. Oh, to do oh my God. For Teresa Knorr. For Teresa Knorr. And I thought, <laughs> you know, the song, It's My Party and I'll yeah. Cry If I Want To, it changed the lyrics to It's My Closet and I'll Cry If oh, I Want man. To. Oh, yeah. shit. Because, yeah, she killed the kid in the closet. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's fucked up. So Super oh, that may be pushing it almost too far for me, but. I'm probably going to do it just because now I'm talking about it. Right. So, so anyway, <laughs> I just do that karaoke, like to tie it in, and and sometimes it's awfully dark. Uh, so, Joey, you mentioned her a few times. I'm glad yeah. we're able to do that. We get some really good ones. I think the um, first time I brought her up was I put her in one of the... Oh, the, the, the serial killer cage match yeah, thing. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, that yeah, was great. Yeah. One of the contests. Uh, so, Tex... We're going to be going to talk to CK now. He's going to throw down some metal knowledge. So why don't you tell us what the fuck we need to do? Let's get our metal on. Known the world over as the master of metal, the crusher of posers, and murder metal mayhem's knower of all things metal, hailing from Wild Man Street in Danbury, Connecticut, standing at six feet of brutal punishing madness, Weighing in at 220 pounds of poser pulverization. The one, the only, toughest bastard on the planet, Chris C.K. Comics! Alright, great metal motherfucker. What's going on, What's CK? Up, CK? What's up, gentlemen? Tearing it up, so, man. I, I was nice to you this week. I didn't call you my bitch. Yeah, I that's good. Because that. I've had enough it. bitches for tonight uh, doing the Jeff Davis 8 story. A lot of craziness. A lot of murdering in the bayou. And Dude, just some awful shit. We was at uh, Parkview Inn. You know, that's kind of a family place, whatever. We yeah, I saw you time. post something about this. I ain't getting into that. But when oh. we was there a while ago, I had my daughters with me. And they're like, hey, Dad, can we play music on the ju- jukebox? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Whatever. I gave them a couple bucks. They go to the jukebox. DSI? The first thing, no, the first thing they play is uh, ICP bitches. Oh, While damn. All these old people and everything's eating and they're eating <laughs> oh, and everything. Wow. It's just like, bitches, bitches. It's like, God damn it, girls, <laughs> only, why? Only your why? spawn. <laughs> only your spawn would do that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, CK, you've been running up and down wild, man, with the Blackie Lawless fucking arm fucking circular saw and the cod piece and just going fucking nuts because you're ready to do some wasp for us aren't you yes i am we All are right. satan's people white angelo-saxon protestants <laughs> so oh, not funny. those ones 
<laughs> so yeah, what's uh, uh, what's the story about Wasp here, brother? Well, Wasp Farm in '82. Um, Blackie, Law- Blackie Lawless originally got to start in music, and um, he was at the um, New York Dallas for a short while. Okay, I New wondered York where he was came a, from. Was a very early punk punk band in New York City. Right. Is he um, a New Yorker then, or was he from yes, somewhere else? Yes, he's from Staten Island. Oh, okay. Um, and eventually he moved his way to California. Right. Don't they all? Well, they was do. it a couple bands before that? He was in London with um, Nikki Six, um, a couple other bands that, other than London, didn't really go anywhere. And originally he was a guitarist who switched to bass after Nikki. Six left um, London. Oh, okay. So he formed Wasp with Randy Piper in, in, in '82. Recorded well to get to get what what the name means. Yeah, what does it mean? Because <laughs> it's an acronym. Um, it's got yeah, periods yeah, after each letter. You know, White Anglo-Saxon Protestants was the you know the one that is the most familiar one. Right. But they um, have never said what it stands for? No, eventually he did. Oh, okay. 2010. Uh, people thought it was thrown out that it, may, that it meant um, we are sex perverts. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but in 2010, Black Laws came out. He goes, he said, I just thought it looked cool with the, with the um, periods. Oh, like It okay. didn't mean shit. It just looked oh, cool. Oh, that's funny. All right. You know, eventually he just... Kept on telling people what was it? He said, um, "Oh, we we ain't sure yet, pal." <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. <laughs> That's funny. no. Then in 2010, eventually he, he answered it with, um, "You know, it just looked cool. It looked cool." Sure. Okay. You know, kind of like your your favorite band, Kiss. Oh God! Everybody, everybody <laughs> thought kids and everybody thought it meant you know yeah night and Satan service night and Satan service yeah. But um, <laughs> they formed in they formed in eighty two released the first single animal. Um, and eventually signed with Capitol Records. Shortly thereafter, released the debut album Wasp. Now they were clumped in with all with all the glam bands. I never I never thought in the beginning that they were ever. Ever a glam band? To no, begin with. no, because I saw them. Or you were there too, CK. The Armored yeah, Saint with, with Armored Metallica, Saint Metallica, Ride the Lightning, Metallica with Cliff. That and was fucking co- badass. They were co-headlining that tour. They were, they were that night. Metallica headlined it, but you're right. They were co-headlining yeah. with Metallica on Ride the Lightning. Right. So they were pretty fucking big, and I would definitely agree with you. I would not categorize them as glam were, or anything like that. They're more of a uh, shock rock kind of shock, yeah, kind of like an Alice Cooper type, yeah, type deal. yeah, kind of like that, yeah, just a lot heavier, right? So, no, they formed in '82 after the last band that he was in was Circus Circus. They they um fell apart, formed Wasp, and. The debut album was was in '84, and that was a really great album. I liked I them a lot back then. I I was um, there. One of the reasons I was there 
at that show was because I really I liked all the bands, but Wasp was was really hot at that time. You know, the you know I thought they they pretty much distanced themselves from the glammy poser rock that was right. around that time. I would agree, and definitely you know stuck out with um, you know especially Blackie Lawless dressed right. With the cod piece with the saw blade and all that stuff. Right. Um, you know, so the album did really well. And um, MTV played Love Machine all the time. I remember that. Yeah. That was one of the songs that, that you always heard on MTV, the video at least. Right. And shortly thereafter, in 80, I believe it was 85, they released the second album, which is just as good, was... Um, what the fuck was it called? Um, God damn. Excuse me, people. I have um, chemo brain. Chemo brain. It wasn't metal I mean, I, detector, was it? No. No? Okay. <laughs> the the Last okay. Command. Oh, uh, <laughs> The Last Command. And, you know, they had another killer song in that, Blind in Texas. Right. Which was um, another heavy song. That album was a pretty heavy album to begin with, I thought. And I don't think I think that was what the, the album they were touring behind when we saw them. No, I, I mean, it could have been, but I thought it was from the debut. Uh, that was the only one I ever had. I've never had any of their other that I remember it? any of their other releases. It I'm pretty been, sure it was on the first one. Because, like, like I said, that was eight, the debut in '84 and Last Command in '85. So it could have been the debut. Yeah. Um, right before they, or right before they, or before. You know what it was? It was before The Last Command came out. Probably. That they were touring. Yeah, because I saw them there with Cliff, and then uh, when they came through and played with Queensryche, uh, doing, they were on Master of Puppets right before they went to Europe. I saw Cliff with them then, and then he went to Europe, and that's when he died. So I right. saw him twice, but the second time right. was in a big arena like New Haven or... Or Hartford, I don't remember which. No, it was New Haven. Okay. No, was it? But God Queensryche damn. was amazing. It was opened, on Operation Mindcrime. They did the whole Mindcrime album. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I saw him with Queensryche, and it was amazing. That Queensryche was great too. Did I see? Yeah, I did see one. But anyway, too. Wasp. <laughs> we're talking yeah. about Metallica. Right. Yeah. But Wasp. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they were they were strong, man. You know, and. and and again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go through all the members because no, this is basically a bunch of Black, Blackie Lawless's band. But isn't he a with. difficult? I've heard a lot of things. There's that no, Robin actually, Crosby. Uh, isn't it Robin Crosby the one that did or Chris Holmes? I'm sorry, Chris Holmes. The the movie that I don't know if you're going to talk about that, but um, where he talks about what's what's it called? Mean. I can't remember. Something mean in the title, but mean, he was mean like machine. I don't remember, but he's was wronged. He claims by Blackie Lawless. No, I heard I heard it's actually the other way around that Blackie Lawless is kind of a cool guy. Just Chris huh. Holmes is a total dick. Okay, I don't know. Yeah, the the this uh, documentary he did certainly and book. Uh, I think he did a, a wrote a book about it too. But yeah, yeah definitely he, not complimenting to Blackie Lawless. So that's no, interesting. but you got to remember they, Chris Holmes was a was a raging alcoholic at that he time was, too. He was. They talk so, about that too. Know, he overcame it supposedly. Yeah, and he made he made it really really difficult to work with. Yeah, so I I tend to err on the side of um, Blackie Lawless. Maybe Chris Holmes was a dick, and 
um, Black Lawless was the one who just was like, you know, I can't deal with it anymore. Right. Because he left and came back again and left again, um, citing that he, the reason why he left the second time was he wanted to have fun. Okay. And I guess Black Lawless made a comment as to, you know, he wants to be home with, with a cooking apron on because he just married Leah Ford at the time and she was making mad bucks so he could just sit home and right. and not do anything and, and you know basically he had a sugar mama I mean fuck yeah I'm but, um, I guess yeah that's interesting <laughs> though I, I I haven't seen the uh, the show but I want I wanted to check it out just to just to yeah, see it's what on he's Amazon. gonna say it's it on Amazon okay yeah, I don't. I think I don't think it's Prime. I think you have to pay for it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Anything else but, about uh, him? Oh, um, Chris Holmes. No, about no, the, about the the band. Oh yeah, plenty. A little bit more. Um, you know, '86 they released Inside the Electric Circus, and again, you know, you're doing an '84, '86 thing. We're now every year, right, and, one and, after and another. It, yeah. Inside the Electric Circus to be suffered. It was their highest topping at that time, but to me it suffered. And um, that was kind of the last time we saw the blatant, you know, over, over the topness of, of Wasp and Blackie Lawless. Because 89, he put out The Headless Children, which was um, a much more mature album than the first three altogether. Hmm. I know, um, I know that was a, the first one I ever owned personally. Oh, yeah, like that, I, I that heard them, but that's the first one I bought. Right. That was where you know Blackie had. You realized Blackie could really write a excuse me write a song. Um, it was it was supposed to be his 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 solo album to begin with, but obviously the um, label and management were like, you know what, we feel more comfortable if you put Wasp. Right. Of, you know, but um. You know, that album was totally above anything he did before, or he did before. Showed him, um, as a songwriter, that he could really write really good songs. And, um, you know, it was just a a step above to what anybody thought Wasp could be or or was. was. You know, and and it just got better. And in 92, three years later... Uh, Blackie Laws put together a concept album, uh, the Crimson the Crimson Idol, and um, that did really well. And it was it was basically the story of the rise and fall of a fictional rock star. Huh. Um, his name was Jonathan Steele. Johnny Steele, <laughs> fuck um, yeah. And. Um, it was just a really well put together concept album because a lot of albums like that concept are, are are done horribly. Right. You know, only a few people can do them. You know, King Diamond be, being one. Yeah. I'll have to check um, that out. I'm not familiar with these releases, to be honest with you, dude. You know, if, if, you, haven't, if you haven't heard anything past the first couple albums, um, it, it just gets better as far as with Wasp. Cool. Um, but you know, he, he put that out. The next album was "Kill, Fuck, Die." That's such a great title, dude. <laughs> which, which was, you know, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, was still not black enough. 
which was you know another concept album. But but lo- the songs were tied together, but loosely tied together. Together, not like on the last album. Right. Um. And you know they wanted to do have him do a solo album with that, and where he wanted to make it a solo album, and, and the record company at the time was like, you know, no, 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 we're better off keeping it Wasp. And the thing is, you know, I don't think people realize, but the, the drummer through most of these later albums was um. Frankie Benali from Quiet Riot. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. And if and if you know, listen to these albums and you and you realize how good of a drummer Frankie Benali really is. You're just saying because, that because you're a drummer. No, I mean, no, I'm I fucking mean, with you, dude. <laughs> no, but um, you know, you realize that Frank Frankie Benali is a really good drummer, and and these Wasp albums that he's on show 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 it off. Um, 97 was Kill, Fuck, Die. 99 was Hell Dorado. Um, another great album. Unholy Terror in 2001. And 2002 was Dying for the World. And again, in 2004, um, does a double album, but he releases it one part one in the first part of the year. The second part of the second part of the year, um, the Neon Gods, Damn. or the Neon God. Um, part one is the Rise, and that is. Um, let me make sure I get this right. It's a story of an abused and orphaned boy named Jesse who finds that he has the ability to read and manipulate people, and basically, it's you know. Part one is is. Quote, when um, I guess the good times. And obviously the second part, the demise is, you know, what happens when you, when you have this power and it's not really anything to brag about or anything that you really want. Because in the end, you know, you're you're basically dragged down and um, to the point where you're kind of like a nar- nar- narcissistic and um, people think you're nuts. Right. That's pretty interesting. I had absolutely no idea he did all this kind of stuff. Oh yeah, but um, he and, and you know, 2007 was he put out the dom he put out Dominator, 2009 Babylon, um, 2015 Golgotha, and he did a a re, uh, new version of Crimson Idol called Reidolize in 2018. Damn. Um, but you know, I don't think I. <laughs> You look at the first couple albums, you're like, there's no way that this guy can write great stuff like he wrote later on. Right. And, um, you know, the the guy's smart. He has a brain. And he is a great songwriter. And given the right people to back him up as a band, you know, he puts out, he puts out some great stuff as Wasp. Like I said, um, you know, Frank Ibnally was 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 his drummer for a couple albums. Um, I forget who the other people are, but he but he's had the um, it's a whole gang of other, people playing. Other top musicians, you know, jamming with him. But um, right now, as far as I know, they are they are working on a new album with Wasp. So damn, that's pretty awesome. Okay. You know, so. All right, well, what's so your... D- d- definitely check them out. Yeah, I am going to check that out from what you've been talking about. 
the uh, Lost Classic is an interesting oh, one yeah. this week, CK. And this one is, is kind of like, I guess it's a Lost Classic because I never got into it at first. Right. Um, to tell you the truth, I never really got into this album until maybe like three or four years ago. And surprisingly enough, it's by one of my favorite bands um, of all time, Iron Maiden. Right. And the album is Fear of the Dark. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I never I never got into it when it first came out or, or until a couple years ago, but um, I started listening to like maybe, like I said, three or four years ago. I'm like, holy shit, I didn't realize how good this album really is. Yeah, I'll have to give it another listen because, yeah, I know the song, but the album, so to speak, not so much. So I'll have to go back and check that out. Yeah, find out all sorts of good information here talking to you ck that, um, that one was more huge for me probably because i was like 12 or something when it came oh, out there you go the timing oh, yeah. Yeah. plus the plus yeah. the album obviously the album art oh yeah the album yeah. Art's among the best and now it's the second album back with bruce yep. after he left right and he had that piece of that that um joke <laughs> as a singer yeah right <laughs> so yeah so very very cool all right well i think i hear some fucking heavy fucking music Coming up, we're going to talk about what the hell we've been listening to. So let's jam some fucking onslaught. All right, six, six, fucking six. Some onslaught. That means what the hell we've been listening to, Chris. Joey, you guys have been... All about the live shit here. You went to a good show, but Chris, what have you been listening to at the Nation, man? Uh, random shit. Fucking random stuff. some polka dot cadaver, Chimera. Okay. Fucking, I don't know. Just, like I said, random shit. Little man. mix of stuff. Yeah, it's That's cool. it's all fun and games. That's what I do. Until <laughs> you, you lose an eye. That's right. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> what else, dude? I don't know. What do I got on here that I've been listening to? Ghost Main. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I don't know, yeah. That's cool, Behemoth, Joe. just random. Just random stuff. Joey, what about you, dude? Uh, Anything jumping out here lately? Yeah, I was jamming that Frizzle Fry, that Primus Frizzle Fry album quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I've seen they got that tour coming up. Yeah. Oh, God, I wish I could go. Um, I don't know. I, I got Soundgarden Super Unknown in the car right now. I was having a shitty day, so I threw that in. Uh, That's cool. And then, Sorry about your shitty day. But yeah, it's cool. You found a way to help deal with it. Yeah, but no, like you said, we went to the show this weekend, so I was jamming a lot of the bands that were on yeah. there too, right. which I always liked doing that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that for sure. Um, I've been jamming a band I never heard of before, End Seeker, uh, Mount Carcass, new album. Oh. God damn, reminds me of some old Bolt Thrower, pretty wicked stuff from Germany. Uh, new album just dropped here last Friday, I think, or it's very recently uh very very good uh Corsus, still jamming those guys still jamming power trip and listen to a little ozzy to some oh, diary yeah. of a madman bark at the moon some old ozzy stuff which Dude, is cool just so. randomly out of nowhere uh my daughter was over sunday after we got got back from the show and shit she came over and she's like playing music normal i'm just like god damn it do i really have to listen to this right, right. now but then just out of nowhere she just played that uh ozzy song the under the under the grave yeah the, with, with the video where it's, it's like sharing From like saving album. him and shit mm -hmm. yeah yeah and i was just like fuck yeah i'll listen to that that's fine yeah so hell yeah dude yeah that's fucking cool and 
We always talk about uh, what we've been listening to. CK, what about you, dude? Um, the new um, Cannibal Corpse and yeah. Um, oh, what's that one? Yeah, the the band that sounds like Iron Maiden that I'm digging a lot. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting um, to check them out. Icons of what is it? God damn, I can't remember. Icons of obviously fire. you've been listening enough. <laughs> no, my brain is fried right now. Oh, I know, yeah, I get I know, it. Dude. Mine too, brother. Oh. Mine too. <laughs> but um, what the fuck is it? I can't remember. It's it's it. all right, what dude. Is what, it? what is it? It's it. Chris, Joey, you guys uh, went to that show, man. That yeah. was badass. You she want to talk about dope. that for a minute? Yeah, a buddy Squatch threw a show up in Galesburg, Illinois, about Squatch? an hour and a half from here. Squatch. 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 Oh. <laughs> about an hour and a half away. Yeah. 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 It, was, uh, it was pretty impressive. It was in an old steel mill. Yeah. So it was like basically like an open fucking... Big ass, oh, yeah, open area. Open yeah, area. it was like, like a big fucking area, The man. stage was fucking dope, dude. Yeah. Like, dude, it, the, the most grind thing about it was like right before they were getting ready to fucking stage hands, there was a soft spot in the stage. So homeboy's up there with a fucking hammer and a pry bar and shit, tearing a piece of the floor out, fucking cutting a new piece, dropped wow. it in just in time, dude. It like was literally fucking, right before the show started. Like, That's awesome. Legit. <laughs> like, so who were some of the bands that were there? I know there was a bunch. Fuck yeah! Cashman shirt, chlamydia jizz, the homies, fucking Phil and Chris, dude, that shit. Yeah, they, which, which Phil did a Necro Cannibal Ice Grinder too. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! yeah. And I did Burn to a Chris with Alex. Yeah, with Alex from Crash. Uh, I did a Gormonger set. Bloodfeed was there. Um, Future pile, future pile, sexual atrocities, handsome prey, handsome prey, toxic ruin were basically like the headliners. Okay, uh, pit lord played fucking extraction point, dude. The, and the crowd what was, was the turnout looked pretty good. The crowd was fucking tight. Yeah, dude. I asked Watch at one point. I was like, "How many people do you think?" He's probably about three fifty. Wow, yeah, that's it was, great. I mean, he had for, for an underground show. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, but he uh, it was awesome too because he had connections with the with the full terror squad. So I think, and so basically that's what all this came out of. He called it the Gore Camp. Because uh, that's what we call our campsite. At Full oh, Terror. Okay. So he like hit up all the fucking, the people that usually go to Full Terror, like talking to them coming out. And like our buddy Darren and his daughter Jess, they came out from uh, 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 Arizona. I think that's where they're from. Yeah. Or yeah, Sandbreakers really so, from. Yeah. But uh, fucking those, they are the coolest. Him and his daughter go to fucking fest and shit all over the world he's been bringing her since she was little that's amazing it, it is so cool to see like yeah you know, and that was uh that tyler really cool. dude that we met there he had his little six-year-old daughter that yeah. they come all the way from fu- fucking paducah kentucky yeah. wow he's just hanging out he's like i got uh, i didn't awesome. know else to bring i'll bring my fucking daughter oh, yeah. right from dude florida there. Yeah, cool. from florida. Yeah. Like, elizabeth was elizabeth there from, from arkansas. arkansas fucking yeah that's awesome, like people man. from all over dude it was, like that's tex- cool uh, ian came from texas fucking uh gabe came yeah, Gabe was I said there. All of a sudden, Gabe showed up. Oh, Hamlet. nice. <laughs> like, oh, very yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, cool. dude. Fuck it. It was a fucking tight end. And awesome. then, fucking, being the Midwest grind show, you got to have Casey's. So, the homeboy Derek. I just, saw that. You guys were yeah, just tearing homeboy, up some Casey's. Yeah, Derek just back comes back with a stack pies. of fucking nice. pizzas from nice. Casey's, bro. That had to be like so yeah, much. CK, fun. Casey's is like in every town. It's like the little convenience store, but they oh, sell like God. everything. But no, the show it's was good. so lit. Jason from Murder Machine Clothing, he had his shit set up. Yeah. He he had a good night, fucking Man, he like sold so selling merch. He sold so That's much merch that night, dude. It was That's great. it was a fucking blast. And but now the sound was good, the bands were good, fucking everybody awesome. got along. It was, it was I, a I family reunion. 
opinion, man. Yeah, that's the name of the band. <laughs> what is it? Icons of Sin. There you uh, go. Okay. Uh, Before cool. I forget again. You remembered it. You remembered it. Well, you know, I did see something on uh, Facebook about Tom Hunting, the drummer of Exodus, he has who's cancer. been starting a cancer fight, and they did a GoFundMe, and he's got eighty grand $80, in like he's six days. Way. God damn, Way dude. over what 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 they expected to That's get. That's amazing. Yeah. So put one we're up for CK, definitely shit. pulling for Tom to get through it. He looked good. He did a video and said, you know, treatments are going okay, and he's dealing. And uh, CK, you know it all too well. I've been through yep. it. It's not fun. So uh, we definitely pulling for Tom. Uh, now, don't forget to order one of our new shirts. These Jeff Gaither <laughs> designs are amazing. Got us all zombified, Chris, yeah. on the front. And then a blood hey, spatter hey, CK, on the back. Did you notice that on the design, though, I threw my beer cans at you? I did yeah. see that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or CK might have had one, you know? Yeah, you never know. So, uh, and so yeah, you can go. Uh, there's a link to the epi- in the episode description to order a shirt. Uh, we appreciate it. It helps us uh, keep things moving here. Uh, so... Uh, We've done plenty of fucking metal hold, tonight. Hold on. You know what else I was listening What's to? That? I just remember this because it was funny. But I was at work the other day, and uh, we got this one truck driver that always, like, plays music and shit while he unloads, which is cool, you know? Right. <laughs> like, you, does yeah. you like Hendrix, too? Uh, yeah. Dude. No, yeah. So he <laughs> listens to a lot of different shit, like, and sometimes he'll play, like, Iron Maiden and stuff like that, which is cool. But, yeah, the other day, like, I think he had it on, like, Pink Floyd or something, right. Pandora or something, and... All of a sudden, the Hendrix came on, <laughs> and you know everybody's like, "Oh hell yeah, Jimmy!" And all I'm thinking is, "You got to listen, Jimmy Hendrix, dude." dude. And, <laughs> and, and that truck driver had been there the day before. That dude was there. So. Oh no shit! Yeah. Oh wow! And don't before we get out of metal, don't forget the show in Florida. Yeah, yeah. On May eighth. The yeah. day before Mother's Day. Okay. Uh, down in fucking Tampa, Tampa, Florida at the Blast Brass Mug. Right, yeah, not the Brass Rail. Some Gormonger. Gormonger. Yeah, yeah Gormonger. Uh, Co-Hanger Abortion's going to be there. Uh, Minstrel Moonshine. Um, Dark Star Coven. Uh, Blister and Defilement. Can't remember some other bands, but... Awesome. Yeah, Tampa, Florida. Tampa, okay, Florida. Okay, very cool. Be day before we're, Mother's we'll Day. We'll be there. Me and Cashman and my brother will be there. Oh, so my God. Yeah. This should be a good one. All right, well, CK, we've done plenty of metal tonight, so what the fuck do we need to do? We need to get our mayhem on. Set to bonjour at the Boudreaux Inn, where crack whores us. How can I help? Yes, my grandparents and I will be taking a trip, and we'd like to book a room. Wow, your grandparents? They gonna be okay with your special room service? Special room service? What's that, like a continental breakfast? <laughs> well, not really. That's when one of our local crack whores comes to your room in the morning to suck you awake for a few bucks. It's called the Hoover Special. What? Are you serious? (laughs) 
Well, yeah, but if you want, we can send you two crack whores and a midget to your room. We can do that too. That's two and a half times the fun. Ha ha ha! Hey, John. Wow! Oh my God! Tex just crushing it with that yeah, one. That His the first, debut. That's the first time I personally heard that. Oh that's my fucking God! Good. <laughs> fucking killing it with the Cajun accent. That's, that's fucking so good, fucking dude. funny. <laughs> so the Boudreaux in, of course, is part of our Jeff Davis eight discussion. Oh, yeah. So if you heard that, you get the joke. So he's uh, obviously if they hear the joke, they heard that. So. That's true. That's true. <laughs> now I had kept saying i it would just totally blow my mind if tex actually drove to the boudreaux yeah, and did the great. episode remotely outside the parking lot but i would have been afraid for him man i mean that's not a place to be hanging out Shit, no. with anything of value you know stay right, strapped you know? or get clapped yeah i mean the cops would have busted him you know some fucking thug on stay the, strapped or get clapped on, yeah. the, on the south side of the tracks would have taken him away so anyway that was great. And before that, of course, Wasp with I Want to Be Somebody. That's on the debut. So that's what I know him as. So I can't wait to check this out from CK's recommendation yeah. here. All right. Well, we are in mayhem, and uh, we are uh, usually telling some silly stories in mayhem. And um, Joe, I definitely Joe. know, Joey, you've been talking about something you wait, wanted to tie yeah, in. Do this from the Mississippi with trip, this episode. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So go yeah. ahead. Nah, I think I tried to tell this story to Stephanie. It wasn't as funny when I told her. <laughs> I think it was funnier in my head, so we're going to try this again anyway. But uh, coming out of hearing the the Jeff Davis 8, you know, episode that we just did and knowing everything like that, you got to keep in mind, at this time that we had gone down to Mississippi was right when I had, I, I had just got done reading the book, like literally probably the day before or something, and had been looking up uh, – Different uh, sites about the story. Well, you're right, and fucking different articles and stuff from newspapers about it. Right. You know, kind of looking into it. And then so all of a sudden we go on <clears throat> down to Mississippi, down on the Gulf Shore. And, I mean, I looked it up while we were down there, how far the fucking parish was, Jefferson Davis. And it was like two and a half. It was like. <laughs> it too was, far to drive. Yeah, it was west of New Orleans even. So I thought if it was close to New Orleans, maybe we could shoot there but anyway it was too far and i was really surprised like it, it kind of uh gave me even a better idea of how fucking um you know rural Remote. this area really was you know where all this bullshit's going down so we're down there so we we're saying that fucking like we were fucking cruising the coast in fucking Mississippi on the beach, and like we passed the Jeff Davis house. Yeah, we totally the yeah one hundred percent Jefferson Davis. Wow. House. And we I'm right like looking it. at it like, what the shit is going on? You know, right? It's just crazy because it's like fucking shit that I'm reading about coming to yeah. life. Yeah. So keeping that in mind, now when we went down there, I mean, it was fucking. It was three days of just fucking go go go. Now uh, yeah, literally I drove non-stop. like twenty six hours of the right. You know, two days. So there was a lot going on. So by the time Saturday came along, which was the day of the show, we had just got there the night before. Like we went to the beach, we went to the the tourist spots and Biloxi and all that shit. Like all the shit that you can do just as a tourist first, and then went directly from there to the bar where you know the we had the show. Yeah. Right. And then after that is fucking the after hours that one of the dudes threw at their fucking <laughs> oh practice God. spot, which was just like fucking. 
insanity, you know. Dude, it was a badass spot, though. Yeah, it was super fucking cool. But now, I mean, I had been fucking smoking nonstop. Like, since we had left Illinois, we fucking smoked the whole way down. So I'm, like, fucking tired, fucking showed out, fucking high. So by the time we're all hanging out, I mean, it's, like, fucking 2.33 in the morning. And I'm fucking sitting in this dude's fucking practice spot. Everybody's fucking hanging out and shit. And there's this fucking girl, and I she wasn't from the show. I like I don't recall seeing her there. I didn't. I don't right. recall. I know who you're talking about, but she there, was but at the, the fucking she was at this after party. So I'm figuring she was probably some local that they knew or whatever. Right. She was like half half gothed out. She like kind of looked like a goth chick, but not really and shit. Right. And she was just like talking and talking and telling stories it was just like oh, the shit that you just don't care about in the whole fucking <laughs> right. world why are you and talking wasn't to at the me Boudreau, was she? <laughs> I, I mean i don't know but so she's just like telling things like trying to make herself sound cool or i don't know what the deal was yeah and and like she would try to like i don't know like I don't know, dumb shit. I can't even get into it. She was just one of them people that's just fucking weird, and you just kind of ignore them. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, whatever. Right. So at one point of the night, though, I'm sitting there on the couch with this other dude who I, I think he was the bassist for one of the bands or whatnot from Texas, and uh, I'm fucking completely out of it. I know that I got to make this 13-hour trip back to Illinois pretty soon. I'm fucking whatever but all of a sudden i'm listening to what this girl's telling this fucking guy next to me and i cannot fucking believe this shit and this is coming off me reading about the murder in the bayou and all this she starts telling him about um she was like oh i had a sugar daddy oh my god and she was like yeah this motherfucker used to buy me all kinds of shit and this and that and then she's like uh yeah he was a cop uh, right there you oh, go boy, there she you was go. like yeah this guy was a police officer and he was my sugar daddy and he would fucking buy me all this shit and this and that and you know she was like all fucking stoked on and shit and like at one point she was like yeah i'm probably lucky i didn't end up dead you know and, <laughs> right. and i'm like I, and i'm sitting here after reading yeah after yeah. like reading all this shit i'm like holy shit is this jeff davison a going on right in front right. of my face and then she was like yeah so one time this motherfucker he uh, he didn't give me the money that I needed from him or whatever she's talking about because she's fucking hanging out with him for fucking, you know, for For, for fucking, loot, literally. Right? And, uh, I mean, she couldn't have been that old either. No, she, she was Like she 19 was or 20, maybe. I don't wow. know. Anyway, but so she's like, yeah, so this motherfucker didn't pay me my money, so her and this other girl went over to his house together. And fucking, she, uh, her friend kept him occupied and was showing her or him her tits. And all kinds of shit while old girl who I was talking to, I guess she fucking went into the other room, into his bedroom, got into his fucking safe or whatever, fucking stole her money that he owed her plus everything. Oh, boy. Like, fucking, I think she said she stole probably like $2,000 or some shit. Oh, my God. And then they fucking got the hell out of there. And so, like, she's telling me this shit. Oh, my yeah, well, God. I'm like, How many other people has she told? Exactly. Right? And I'm like, but this Jesus. exact shit that you're talking about is exactly yeah. what I read about out right. there. So is this a common <laughs> thing in the South? I guess. <laughs> right. just fucking have fucking drug sugar addict. daddy fucking cops and fucking drug dealers, like, wow. at your it's disposal? Like, it's like I don't mi- know, Mississippi man. where they don't use turn signals, yeah. bro. Like I said, that Damn, was a, I tried to tell Stephanie that story, but it didn't seem that funny. Yeah, no, if like, you know this up. story, it's fucked up. It was, yeah, it was so fucking coincidental especially, that I was experiencing that. Yeah, especially right after getting off of reading that book yeah. about yeah. that story. You're like, hold on. Yeah. Right. This sounds fucking familiar. Very, very similar. Very, very similar. familiar. Yeah. 
Well, my story is just kind of silly. It's it's just something that hit over the weekend. We were talking about Jenny and I were talking about passwords on a computer. And I remembered when I had my computer upstairs at the house in where Alex's bedroom was, I was using it as a studio when we first moved here. And uh, we recorded a couple low 12 albums up there. And I did the heavy core radio show up there and a lot of the stuff from back in that era. But anyway, um, I could type really fast and I don't have to look. So I don't look at the keys. Well, my son liked using the computer. But the problem was he couldn't read any of the keys because they were all worn off. Because <laughs> you, you know what keys what. Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. like, what the fuck? There's no letters on these keys. I'm like, I know, exactly. Get the fuck out of here. This is my computer, bitch. And, <laughs> and then I password protected it. And then a couple of years later, when I, I don't know if I had a different computer or whatever, but um, I told him what the password was, was no Joey was the password, <laughs> my son's name. So, uh, so yeah, he got all mad at me. And then I remembered one of the low 12 albums we did up there it was either skin in the game or, um, or no, it wasn't six. That was done somewhere else. Um, uh, or splatter pattern. I can't remember which, but anyway, we were upstairs and uh, Les wanted to tweak his guitar tone. So I sat him at the computer and I showed him what he needed to do. So he's sitting there doing it. And then as he was doing it, I told him, make sure you save your file as less solo because then i'll know what yeah, it yeah, is Yeah, you know what it is yeah and so he's doing it but he can't see the let there's no letters on the on the, <laughs> keyboard. the keyboard so he types and it's kesoko and we <laughs> laughed about that for fucking years about kesoko you know calling him kesoko because the less solo thing yeah. with the k and the yeah L. that's fucking hilarious. yeah so i just thought that was funny because uh, my son got so pissed he Hell couldn't yeah. use my computer because he couldn't read the the letters on the keyboard. I would not be able to use it either because I, yeah, I chicken it was, packed it was a good deterrent. <laughs> I didn't even need the password on there. Right, really. yeah, like, fuck the password. You so, can't use it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's uh, that's all the uh, the story I've got there. Now, no. over the week, did you have one, Chris? No, I'm oh, good. Okay. Uh, over the weekend, I recorded episode nine of The Voice of Dread. I had Sean Ferrugia from In Malice's Wake from Australia. Hell yeah. That was cool. Uh, always fun to talk to him. His three or four year old son was trying to get outside to talk to him, and it was funny because we're like talking about Lovecraft and Necronomicon the Necronomicon, and, and his son's like I could hear his like little child voice. That's you know, awesome, it's just dude. funny. Uh, so it was a good one. It's about thirty eight minutes long. I'm going to play a clip for you so you can get a little taste of that. If you missed Straight it, want to go maybe thing. check this um, out. And that's why, you know, when I decided to write a, a story for this new book I'm working on, uh, Creation of Chaos 3, I wanted to do a Lovecraft story. And I really thought, which one should I do? I almost did the Dunwich Horror, and there was a couple different mm-hmm. ones. And I really thought the thing on the doorstep was cool. And I thought, you know, why not? Let's give it a try. And I know when you and I first started talking, and you told me you were into Lovecraft, I sent it to you because I really wanted to see what does somebody that likes Lovecraft think of this because I didn't want to do it if I wasn't doing it justice. And, of course, in that story, I referenced myself, the Necronomicon, a couple of times because I knew there would be that tie to Lovecraft. And I talked about Arkham and Innsmouth and some of the different places. But I'm glad that you liked it because that means a lot to me. Yeah, I loved it. I loved all the little references too. It was just those nods to love. 
after. And I think for me, it had been so long since I'd actually read uh, the thing on the doorstep uh, that I'd forgotten what happened or even the premise. So I was just reading it through and almost felt like I was reading the story for the first time. And without giving away too much of your readers, it does descend and there's, it's a, you know, things get and creepier as is your style too and <laughs> there's just a few sort of great plot twists in there that i remembered were coming as i sort of read through the story and it was right. it was just really great to cool. relive the uh the dread of it it was it was awesome thank and you i'm a bit like you i like um uh, the the more horror uh, oriented lovecraft work as well my favorite stories were uh, the case of charles dexter ward was great oh yeah they were yeah, researching the the mad alchemist who ended up having those horrible caves of experimentation that they slowly unraveled through the story. And right. um, while I was researching about this, I was reminded of another one called uh, Pickman's Model, I think it was called. Where, yes. Uh, it was the artist, and they were descending into the gallery, and there's all these more gruesome and horrible works, and things go horribly wrong, but in the end they discover um, some photos that he had wrapped up and photos of the actual... Uh, demons was using as references so none of them were imaginary at all and, right um, yeah, just so cool man i, I love it it so is it's good stuff man it is really good stuff now um i also when i was doing some research for this of course you know looking up stuff on necronomicon you're seeing references to necromancy what mm-hmm. uh what exactly is necromancy Yes. Uh, well, technically, uh, generally, I think it's the art of usually raising the dead or communicating with the dead. Right. Um, so that's uh, it's pretty grim black magic. <laughs> and from what I can tell, it usually uh, usually involves making some kind of sacrifice of uh, one life in exchange for another. And uh, I've never seen a movie or a book where you know the person's being raised from the dead and everything goes well with other right. you know, um, usually ends badly <laughs> yeah but it's usually the 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 corpse you've raised isn't quite like it was before right things, right things right. go horribly wrong so um, yeah even leave, with pets like pet cemetery you know doesn't even yeah, work with right. animals <laughs> definitely no, no. good good stuff for an Malice's wake song that's for sure yeah, I think so. I was uh, <laughs> driving to driving to a show a couple of weeks ago with Lee. We we're just sort of talking about what we uh, might put as a theme of the of the new album, and I uh, was just throwing the ideas of um, uh, possibly looking at a little bit of black magic and oh, cool. uh, rituals and things like that, just as a, as a topic uh, that we are both sort of interested in, and it'd be fun to learn a little bit more about. So yeah. yeah, we'll see how that goes. That's cool. Yeah, I love coming up with concepts like that too. I think that's really. Cool. I know for one of the Low 12 albums, I wrote a story and then we the whole album was the story. So I've done that mm. twice uh, for us. So I, uh, I like doing that kind of thing. Of course, taking music and the writing and merging them into one. So yeah. now uh, in 1927, uh, Lovecraft wrote that short piece called The History of the Necronomicon, but it wasn't published until 1938, which is after he died, um, the piece explains that the original title, Al-Azif, was uh, Lovecraft said was, I love this, uh, this description, the nocturnal sound that is supposed to be the howling of demons. Um, and yeah. Lovecraft said <laughs> it was written by the Mad Arab, like you said earlier. So I really love the, 
the way he uses words, but that nocturnal sound that is supposed to be the howling of demons, what would that sound like? That would... Uh, <laughs> that is so evocative, isn't it? It is. <laughs> you only it's hear so it in, lovely. The, uh, in the dead of the night. It's, it's brilliant. Right, right. Now, one of the authors that some claim have influenced Lovecraft uh, in the creation of the Necronomicon was, uh, and I had never heard of this guy before this, I don't know how, but Robert W. Chambers, who wrote a collection of dark stories called The King in Yellow, and I actually ordered it off Amazon. I haven't read it yet, but had you ever heard of that before? No, never. Um, I know that I think there was a lot of uh, Edgar Allan Poe uh, influencing Lovecraft's work, but I've oh, never, yeah. heard of, ne- never heard of this guy. No, uh, before, and he wrote so. a lot of stuff, but the, the horror and dark stories are supposed to be in this collection called The King in Yellow, and I mm. bought it. I'm just really perplexed because it, it was just totally through me. I'd never heard of it before, but Lovecraft would also talk about authors that he admired, Robert Block uh, with his Divermis Mysterious and Clark Ashton Smith with his book of Ebon. Um, And ironically, this episode of uh, the podcast is is, uh, sponsored by Rotten Cotton. Uh, They do a a cool website with t-shirts and stuff, but they have a, a publishing company also called Ebon Press. Um, and I know oh, it's yeah. referencing the Lovecraft stuff, so that's really cool that the first episode that those guys are sponsoring is this one because it ties in with with Lovecraft. But I'd never heard of that before, that Book of Ebon or that Divermis Mysterious, but these were authors that created a fictitious book in their stories as well, and he referenced those as influencing him. Mm, yeah it's quite cool and uh, uh, something about the idea of going that far back before we have horror uh, fiction and horror movies etc as part of our culture just to be the pioneers of creating these these dark stories and yeah uh, in a time where it just probably wasn't done very much it's, no yeah, <laughs> picture the working with a candle in a dark room and right. know, yeah, just hundreds of years ago and it's it's very exciting yeah it really is and you think like yeah everybody you know nowadays when you talk about like what you write about or sing about or whatever it's like yeah okay but do imagine mm. doing this back in the like 1910 1920 you know that was yeah certainly not commonplace for sure so no no it's, um, it. yeah it's interesting to think about i'm sure there's always ghost stories around the campfire oh sure yeah and poe was doing it in the 1800s but still yeah. not a not so, anywhere near uh as common as as it would be today but now i know that lovecraft scoffed at the serious books on the occult and i think you mentioned this earlier that he found it more enjoyable to uh create his own instead of using the real stuff yeah, I, I um heard him say that he he had thought about writing uh, an actual version of the Necronomicon himself, but oh. then he thought um it just it wouldn't. Uh, there's no way it would add up, but it would always be disappointing to uh, anyone that had you know imagined what it would be like. So you could never really uh, give uh. it uh, a solid reality. Um, he yeah, he said. Uh, that any of the uh, more serious ones had been disappointing. I, I tried to have a look at a few as well. Like everyone else, I'd read the Satanic Bible a few years ago and mm-hmm. found that an interesting read. The first half yeah. just made Nothing a Nothing like you would think it was. 
no. And I was like, well, this makes sense to me. This is great. I'm totally on board. And then he gets to halfway and they start detailing the uh, black magic. Pack. Yeah, and that gets kind of out um, there. <laughs> yeah, just like this This is just as hokey as everything out now. Right, so, like, right. I agree, I'm, I'm though. The, out, you know? the, the, the beginning of it, it that makes a lot of sense, you know? Yeah, that's me and all. I can't argue with any of this, you know? No, exactly. <laughs> like, wait a minute. What's what's wrong with this? You know, I, I agree yep. with this guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was quite the charlatan himself too. Um, yeah, that'd absolutely. be another episode. Maybe we could do Anton LaVey. Um, yeah, I think but so. Lovecraft references this book, uh, the Necronomicon quite a bit in his novella, uh, at the mountains of madness. You mentioned the case of Charles Dexter Ward and also in his short stories, the Dunwich Horror, Pickman's model, which you mentioned, which is amazing. So if you like that, go check out episode nine on voiceofdread.com. And speaking of Voice of Dread, I'm going to have Joey, uh, you talking about The Exorcist. Exorcist. And then, Chris, I'm thinking about you could pick the the movie franchise you want to talk about. And we'll do an episode with you on something like Friday Dude. the 13th or whatever you want to do. Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> if you want to do Maximum Overdrive, I'll do Max. Whatever you want to do, is, dude. It's that a was, Stephen King one, too. Yeah, so. it is. So give that a listen. Uh, trying to get everybody involved. CK is going to do one with me, too. So, uh, you know, we've got plenty of them to, you know, that are already up here going on episode 10 next time. So... Check it out, voiceofdread.com. Fuck yeah. All right, we got a killer cage match to get to tonight, gentlemen. We got a list of 70 killers, 70 objects to fight with. Fucking right. They get turned loose in a cage to fight till the death, and our listeners pick the random numbers. So, Chris, who's our listeners we want to thank again? We got Samantha Little Gunshot Cram. (laughs) We got John Henderson, and we got the champion, Rebecca Boomsock. Thanks for the numbers, motherfuckers. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's really cool, everybody that participates. And we got a good one tonight, Joey, going down in the cage. Casey Anthony versus Eileen Warnos. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to be brutal. Going to be brutal. Going to be brutal. And CK, they got a couple of interesting uh, objects to fight with here. Yeah, they'll be fighting with a set of jumper cables. (laughs) And a car nice. battery. Yep, of course. And a metal thermos with hot pus. We've had the thermos and the hot pus yeah, before. It's pretty that. gross. And yeah. the variable will be, I think we had this before. Yeah, we have. Two crack cores fighting over a $10 bill. Except oh. these crack cores are from a different place, They're Joey. from the Boudreaux Inn. They're, They're from, from the Boudreaux Inn. So, CK, you're reading the previous version of the notes. <laughs> the oh. Boudreaux Inn was added at the last minute. So these crack cores are special. Oh, can I yeah. go first? From the Boudreaux Inn, <laughs> fighting over the $10 bill. So, Chris, who do you want to? All right. So I just figure, like, Casey Anthony, she's just cruising down the road with her poor dead child in the trunk of the car. <laughs> Eileen Warnos is standing on the side of the road hitchhiking. Casey's like, eh, fuck it, whatever. I'm doing dumb this is a shit huge anyway. Cage. Yeah, they're in a cage. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> shit. I in a cage. I guess the kids do Wow. That. I got what, what is it like on a that? fucking fucking. I don't care. That's my, that's my Little scenario. Yeah. <laughs> that's my scenario. <laughs> so continue. Yeah, yeah, my scenario. So fucking Eileen Warnos is hitchhiking. Casey picks her up. It's like, all right, cool. So they're driving down the road and they fucking stop. And there's these two crack whores fighting over this $10 bill. Well, Eileen's like, I'm going to kill these crack whores. Fuck them. Opens right. the trunk, sees a dead child in the trunk. 
she gets pissed about that, as Eileen Warnos would. Okay. I mean, she hated dudes, but a child, I don't think she would ever hurt. So there's this fucking thermos of hot puff. She just beats the shit out of the crack horse, takes the $10, grabs the fucking car battery and the fucking jumper cables. So she just kills Casey. I'm giving it to Eileen. Okay. Joey, I mean these these chicks from the crack out or the the Boudreaux Inn are yeah. pretty tough. Yeah, I don't know, bitches. man. Uh, in my scenario, I mean Casey Anthony, she is dead fast as fuck. Eileen Warnos is just gonna fucking yeah, beat that bitch up. She's, yeah, she's, she's gonna take that fuck. fucking yeah. car battery with jumper cables, attach them to her nipples, and her fucking, own nipples. No, to fucking oh, Casey. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And yeah. fucking zap the. Fuck ever. Done. Then yeah. she's gonna take that fucking hot thermos of push. She's gonna beat them two fucking bitches fighting over the ten dollar bill. She's gonna take 10. that ten dollar. That's bill. what I'm right. saying. She's Duh. gonna fucking dump the pus out, clean that, and keep the thermos because that's some fucking free shit. Okay. <laughs> right. Fucking I win. I win. All right, CK. What about you, dude? I, I don't think um, Eileen's gonna need any of the um. Yeah. <laughs> no. She could beat her up with her she's bare just hands. Keep or... the shit out of Casey Anthony. Yeah, um, and the crack horse, and the crack horse all at once, and just because nothing better to do, she's gonna. <laughs> Is she gonna pick up the ten though, CK? Oh, she picking up the ten. All right, I ten, think so. She's too. gonna, you know, obliviate. and some crack if any of them has crack. Like, all three right, of them with right. the car battery. Right. Okay. And just pour, just pour the pus on them and and have drop your the infection. Cup. Okay. Drop the cup and we're done. All <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, that's uh, that's an interesting one, and that's of course the fun of the killer cage match. That one was super easy for. Us. I saw yeah, I mean, Eileen. Sorry, they were driving in my scenario. That's right. But that's okay. Was Yours thing. was the dream sequence, <laughs> right? Yeah, you were the dream sequence. Like a prison. Except yeah. there are, there are driving pedal cars. Um, now Rider we, cars. We got a last minute thing sent in. I don't know what this <laughs> is. This is an email that, that came in, in right before the What's show started. I, I don't even know. I, I don't know anything about this guy. He sounded very angry. So I'm going to I'm gonna let the listeners check this out. This is a this is recording that came in on our special secret voicemail. So hang hey on now. one second. This old Creole, Robert Benoit. I run the Boudreaux Inn here in Jennings, Louisiana now. I'm calling you out, weepy voice killer. You go on crying like a damn baby like you do. You think you tough beating up on a boy like Punky Brooks? I challenge you, weepy voice killer. Come on and fight a real man. I'll fight you any place, anytime, any by you. I'll give you a real Creole ass whipping. Aye. Wow. <laughs> Old Creole, man. Old Creole Robert, comes out of nowhere. Robert Benoit just fucking throwing <laughs> the gauntlet down, like, Joey. Like, with that wow. attitude, is he really? Man, is, CK, I know you're tight with WVK. He's going to be pretty fucking um, fired up. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to let him know about this. I'm sure he's going to oh, hear man. it. Oh, um, man. Dude. Wow. I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to hear what WVK has to say about um. Yeah, yeah dude, Old Creole. <laughs> So, oh, King Cole, whatever oh, his King name is. Cole, is, is, is Robert yeah, so. related to Chris? Because uh, I don't know. That's a, <laughs> that could be dangerous, man. God if he's damn. like a Chris Benoit, I don't know. But Robert Benoit sent that in, wanted to pass that along. So, uh, all right, dude, just we got something yeah. coming. I guess we got something cooking. We might have another killer cage match extraordinaire with 
WVK and this challenger like this here. Challenger so. out of sure, nowhere. Sure, He's an unknown. Sure WVK is not going to let this go. So no, <laughs> I'm sure not. Now, Joey, have you heard anything from Punky? Is he recovering okay? I mean, Punky's been doing okay. I heard he's going to be checking out some of the matches. So okay. you, you might see him in a crowd or something. You never know. Probably talking shit. You never Always know. But he's like still he's still recuperating though. Yeah, he's, yeah. He got fucked up with that chainsaw. Oh, he so. did, but he he ain't out though. He's down, right. but not out. No, I, I, I can't I, imagine it. So. All right. Well, we've done plenty of mayhem tonight, <laughs> so let's hit so that fucking outro. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah, man. End Seeker, Mount Carcass is the song. It's the title track from their new album. I really like those guys. I've never heard them, honestly. Old school. Uh, never heard them. Yeah, they're really good. Was that like fucking necrophilia? M- Mount Carcass. Mount, Car- <laughs> <laughs> Mount the Carcass. <laughs> big, big thanks to our buddy Tex for coming on, talking yeah, to us you, about Tex, the Jeff show, Davis yeah. 8. And uh, loving the Robert Benoit stuff, too. That was awesome. Uh, Always awesome to have him on. (laughs) Bumper music tonight by Wasp, End Seeker, and Cannibal Corpse. Uh, Chris, who does CK's intro fucking music? Chrisix. Chrisix, motherfucker. Chrisix. Joey, what about the Murder Metal Mayhem intro? By Low 12. Fuck yeah. And CK, the 666 music? None other than Onslaught from Across the Pond. Hell yeah. Cheerio. Guys Uh, will kick ass. They are kick ass. Uh, Go check out Rotten Cotton for being a sponsor of us and the Voice of Dread. Uh, Go to RottenCotton.com. They got some great stickers, t-shirts, buttons, serial killer, horror. All that shit. Killer. Even some comics and graphic graphic novels on their Ebon Press. Yeah, the bottom feeder one. It's been a while on that website just looking at stuff. Yeah. Artwork is so ridiculous on those graphic novels. It is really good. And Joey, they get a good discount if they use our special coupon code. $20 or more. Um, easy to fucking spend $20 of rotten cotton. But oh, yeah. All you got to do is whenever you do your order, go to the coupon code and type in mayhem. That's right. Simple, and you get 15% off. Hell so yeah. rottencotton.com, thanks for sponsoring the show. Uh, Spellboundeffectsandart.com, amazing. Tony Campagna. It's a fucking beast. He's got such a cool online catalog, and he's always coming up with new stuff. That's what I'm always impressed with, man. Right, he like just we doesn't stop, fucking- man. That fucking that video you were talking about yeah. earlier in the show, like the escape I saw room that, I was arm. Like, Why does that look weird? And but dude, in the video, motherfuckers, go watch, check out the video of the escape yeah. room because he pulls them off the tattoos, and it's just they're like, magnetic. Gore underneath and like where it came off of, and then you pull the skin off, he flips it over, and it's and got it's some type gore. of code it's, that you use to get out or whatever. Right, but yeah. it's so gory as shit. Yeah, dude. it's it is. fucking so badass. Yeah, Tony's amazing. So spellboundeffectsandart.com is the uh, way to get this stuff. Uh, go, uh, thanks to you know all you guys for sponsoring, yeah, you know, you supporting awesome. the sponsors, for listening to the show. 
We keep seeing the big numbers rolling in. We had 3,200 listens this last week, so thank you very much. You better be lucky you listen to us, because the people that don't listen to us, fuck you. Suck. That's right. (laughs) They do. I mean, they're missing out on so much quality conversation, you know. Uh, And and for free. That's right. That's right. Now, we had some awesome comments. Uh, that came in about our three-year anniversary, and and we've just had a lot of good you know stuff coming up. So, see, uh, Chris, what's the first one there? We got Tammy Rivera, eighty-eight, says uh, you guys are the best podcasts out there. Thank you. I love MMM, Murder Metal Mayhem. Uh, the mix of serial curls and metal is fucking awesome. Thank, oh, excuse me. Thanks for all you guys do to keep me laughing and grossed out at the same time, and that's what we're here for. Nice, nice wow. combination. <laughs> Gross grossed out laughter. and laughing. So Gross fuck laughter. yeah! That's, Thank you, Tammy. That's, You're the shit. Hell yeah. That's like Thank life goals, listening. there, Chris. You know, awesome. yeah, no, that's totally life goals. Joey, second one there. Uh, Robbie Yancey commented, "Definitely like the Zach Wild stuff CK did. I always learn a lot from hearing what he has to say, as we all do. Hell yeah! All Thank you Great so metal much. I appreciate it." CK, That's what I, I try. I try to be the best, greatest metal motherfucker of all time. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <sighs> Erica Stern, sixty-nine, commented, "I really like the episode on Jeffrey Lundgren. You guys killed it with those cult leader episodes. Love the L. Ron Hubbard one too." Hell Thank yeah! Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. That's very cool. And then Metal Madman six 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 commented. I'm a listener from San Jose, and you guys are fucking awesome. A buddy at work told me about your podcast last year, and I don't miss a week. Horns high, boys. So oh, that's yeah, very horns cool. It's Thanks, so dude. awesome that, that all these people are, are hearing us by word of mouth. Yeah, that's really awesome, because we don't have um, a budget. So no. that's the that's the only way they're hearing about <laughs> that's all it. You right? get, that's all you get. Unless you stumble on it by just looking on your through yeah, podcast app. Yeah, true crime or whatever. Yeah, true crime looking for a certain Or a certain episode. Right. Right. Because we've had quite a few find us that way, you know. Uh, Don't forget to check out MurderMetalMayhem.com to listen to all these episodes we're talking about. We're doing 136. There's a lot of fucking content on there, all the interviews, and there's so much stuff. Uh, Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can check us out pretty much anywhere. Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, CastBox, iTunes, and more. And leave the comments. Give us a rating. It helps, you know, pass the word on to others. So thank you. Uh, You could support the show by joining our Patreon. That's the 666 Club. Uh, Patreon.com slash Murder Metal Mayhem. Three months a month. You get fucking discounts on merch. You get content exclusive content right you get content before anybody else yeah they get the episodes a day early and it also it also goes towards making the podcast better that's right that's right it also goes toward obliterating ck's cancer (laughs) that's right ah that'd be awesome (laughs) right right that'd be great right yeah for sure now you can go to petealtieri.com if you want to pick up one of my books the book uh, audio book i got three more to go i'm almost done with it and uh, pretty soon we should have a date for the release, which should be late June is the plan. Brian Usual is finishing up the artwork, doing the poster and the bookmark like I always do. And so it's all coming together. So thanks for those of you. I got some recent orders here lately from me reading, I think, The Last Supper. So I appreciate that very much. Fucking right. Uh, sold out of Creation of Chaos 2. It's on its second printing now, Saw so that. that's good. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. Creation of Chaos 1's on its fourth printing, oh, so yeah. that's pretty awesome. Uh, Enoch Strange still in its first. 
Uh, thanks uh, for checking out voiceofdread.com if you dig horror and things like that. Uh, can't let them go without hearing some karaoke. I did this one with the ladies of the Jeff Davis 8 in mind. So crank it the fuck up. And until next time, keep one foot in the gutter. And keep your fist in a crooked governor's pocket. Mister, you got a fucking dime? 
mister? Do you want to spend some time with them? Oh, yeah. They got what you want. You got what they need. They'll be your baby. This shit ain't free. Hey, mister. You come to the Boudreaux Inn. Frankie must have sent you. Fuck yeah, you're gonna get some PD tonight, motherfucker! That's right! Mother! Mother! Man!